Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. When you out there and you put your stuff out, like even in this podcast, I learned something so new about myself, right? I didn't realize that when I was criticizing paying, I was criticizing myself. Because if I because I've been through those situations and I started getting heated because I started seeing a, a younger version of myself as a kid and I saw myself getting bullied and I saw myself doing what he did and not getting the result that I wanted. And so it just became something else. It wasn't about me looking at the situation and how he felt and what he was doing. I was I was actually yelling at little in five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very special guest here. We have an OG comic in the house. Been doing it for a very long time. One of the first comics that I actually met when I came to Los Angeles. We have PK Comedy here today. Thank you, brother. Hey, nice house, nice pad. Thank you for having me, man. I've known, or he's known me for like, what, 10 years? That's been a long-ass time. A long time. When's the first time we met? Respect for you. So, uh... First of all, I'm so glad you brought me here. Hey, did, did I not? I'm humble. When you're like, do you want to? I said, hell yeah. I, was, I wasn't like, let me check my skin. I'm like, we'll figure that out later. Yes, first. Dave is so bad. No, but I, yes, first. And then, but then the second thing I want to say, just start this all out. I'm like, I'm glad I could say it. It's, it's dumb. But after this, I never want to talk about it ever again. Because I have apologized to you. But there was one time I wanted to apologize to you. For what? Because you came to collaboration and I, at the after part, I texted you like, yeah, 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 I'll meet up with you. I was just in another world, you know, like, ah, all over the place. And uh, I didn't really like go up to you after. And then until the very end of the whole party, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you at the party. Blah, blah, blah. But I was, you know what I'm saying? Like after the party, I was like in another Bro, I don't even staff. Remember and I don't even remember any of this. I do. Because I remember on the way walking out and I was like, hey, Dave, sorry. And then you're like, oh, that's cool, cool. But I just felt so like, 
Hollywood fake right at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember any of this. Good, good, good. Because I don't want to bring it up ever again. I'm sorry. And I'm like, cool. I actually brought here to confront you about it, you piece of shit. (laughs) I was like, that's why I invited you, you fucking. No, it's like such a dumb moment. But I just remember feeling at that moment like, so dumb. Like, you know what's funny? So dumb. And like, hey, I told, I said, yeah, I meet you. And then I was meeting like all these people after a show. You know, on, on a previous yeah. podcast with my buddy Ed, I was I, I talked about that this story about because Danny Cho hated me, <laughs> so I, didn't, I I told the story where back in the day where he dissed me super hard and I had no idea why because I didn't know who he was, yeah. you know, and I'm like, why does this guy fucking hate me? Is it is it because we look exactly alike? Like what what the fuck is this about? And um, it was a story where I told it where we were in Berkeley and we did a show together, and that's the first time I ever heard of him. I just thought he was like the funniest guy ever. I was like, dude, this guy is so fucking funny. And then I went up to like shake his hand. He just like kind of swatted my hand away. And then legit, I almost beat his ass there. <laughs> and then Abe was the one that grabbed me because I was like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. And I was, and I walked away. I'm like, my feelings are hurt right now. Because, <laughs> you know, you kind of look at this comic like yeah, yeah. this guy's so fucking good. Yeah. But then I uh, I was talking about it with Dumb and Dumb was like, ah, he's cool with you now. I was like, I hope so. I didn't do anything to him. Yeah, yeah. But he's still so fucking funny. Yeah, I I think I heard the story. I don't know who from. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I love and respect you both. And uh, you know, Danny and I, we did the K- Kings of K Town. I've yeah. loved him for. We we've had I our, still like him. He's we've had our hilarious. we've had our uh, little tiffs too. But man, mad respect for what he's doing in Korea. Yeah, but I I can't help but so I put myself in a situation like if I had uh you know like a guy that looked like me like some skinny fool that like <laughs> had I don't know like physically and he was really funny. You know, and coming up and, and uh, would I feel threatened? Yeah, of course. I'd, you know, it's just something about it. Like you feel a little, well, you feel a little threatened, like, because it's such a small space, especially in the one at a long, you know, now there's freaking, there's hundreds of Asian comedians, but yeah. even back then there were like less than 50, I think, you know? You know what was weird too is like, I, I've, I've never really felt that, right? So I always felt that the, the table was big enough for everybody to eat. Yeah. So. And if somebody was better than me at something, that just means that they're dope at it. And I just got to work a little harder and just do what I have to do. So it never felt competitive to me. It was more like, oh, this guy's dope. I'm, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows who he is. That's what I always felt yeah, yeah. like. Whether it, sh- whether it gave me light or not, I always wanted people that I fucked with to just always be successful. Yeah. Just because in our space, specifically as Asian comics, I got tired of the Dat fans. I got tired of a lot of these other comics. No, like that fan too. Hey, no lie. When he first came out, thought he was hilarious, but his, you know, his set became very repetitive. Yeah. And it was just the consistent, which I like the Asian accent in stand up comics. As if it works as a part yeah, of your yeah. life, it makes sense. But uh, when I saw somebody like him, it was just very refreshing because he was just funny just because he was funny, right? He didn't have to cater to all race jokes. He didn't have to keep doing the same jokes over and over. It was just about his life experiences and what he observed. So when I see other comics, I never thought, Hey, this person can take my spot. It's oh, this person is dope. I hope he's successful and I could be there with them. So it's just it's like crab in a bucket thing, right? You don't yeah. want to keep dragging other people because you feel like they're gonna take away your success. Because if you do that, you don't really go anywhere. You just start becoming a very bitter human being. Yeah. You hate everybody that's doing well, and you spend most of your time doing that versus looking at yourself and saying, I need to get better. Like my stand-up needs to be better. And albeit it's hard, right? Especially when it comes to stand-up too, like Anybody who has a platform on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, suddenly they get a stand-up special. But cream always rises to the top because you see those stand-up specials and they are not 
funny I at said, all. I, I see some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are really good. Some are like, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, damn, man. If I hustle hard, I should be up there, man. I should. I really feel that. But then at the same time, I'm like, I, I have so much further to go. But some of them are really good. Yeah. Some. Yeah, yeah. Some of them. Are really shout, good. shout out which which uh, Twitter uh, comedian is <laughs> hella funny to me. Well, I'm pretty sure they are. But there's just a couple yeah, of yeah. I've seen. It's just like. Oh, I can see people who have been on the road and actually do stage work and crowd work and they've been doing it for years. There's a difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there was a big period too where I felt like a lot of older people were looking at people like me who are on YouTube and other stuff. They were looking at us like, I should have what you have. You haven't worked as hard as me. Yeah. You know? And the hard thing. And what, what, what did we find now? All of those people, what are they doing now? They're doing YouTube. They're doing Instagram. They're doing Twitter. Yeah. So it wasn't, I deserve what they have. It's, I wish I would have done what they did. Yeah, totally. And you could have. Same here. <laughs> I could have. Yeah, it, it is a regret, man. It's a, it's a painful regret too. But it's also, it keeps going generations. Like, you know, with TikTok, like, you know what I'm saying? Like with technology, it's just, you just got to keep staying on it. Like constantly, it's like, it just, you know. Entertainment is fast now. Fast. It's almost. Blazing fast. It's almost too fast for me, right? So before we were able to put up one video a week and you were fine. Now it's like, well, for the algorithm, make sure you put up two or three. Yeah. Make sure you're doing Instagram. Oh, by the way, there's TikTok. How many times are you tweeting a week? Oh, did the you videos know? are getting shorter. Yeah, it's like fuck. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't keep up with this stuff, right? Yeah. But it's also a matter of like, how much do we care about it? For me, I tried doing TikTok. I got booted off the fucking thing twice. I got my account canceled twice because I curse. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, you can't curse. You cannot okay. curse. So you say bitch, shit, ass, fuck, titty, whatever. You get a warning. I got three warnings, got it canceled. I did it again. I got I got my account deleted twice now. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. And then now Instagram is also like a weird space where if you put a curse word into a comment, they'll give you a warning and say, are you sure you want to do this because it might violate our guidelines? And I'm like, dude, there is no safe space for me. <laughs> like, this is hard, you know? Cheers to you though, man. Just from the beginning. I think, I mean, we met, I think before when you did your, the UCLA girl, right? You, pro you probably met me when right, I did that. Right after that. Yeah, right yeah. after it. Literally right. immediately after. Yeah, yeah, right. So you blew up and then from there and then I just saw you do stand up. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was thinking about on the way here, like I go, we don't have a friendship or like a close relationship. We have a, we cool ship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we cool ship is like, people go, you know David? So I go, oh yeah, I know him. And then I'm like, are you guys friends? I go, no, we're not friends, but like we cool. Like, <laughs> because every, I, every time I see each other, we're cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and you've always been cool, so. Yeah, I love you, man. I love and respect you. And a lot of times, like even, even in uh, social causes, like I, I, I see what you do. You encourage a lot of people. There's also a demographic, and, and we were talking about this earlier, of people like me. I work and I have kids and I'm in my corporate job. And uh, you say so many things that like, you were like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. Thank, thank you for saying it out loud. And, and I guess we could say it. Some, people, some of us could say it. But it definitely would make things a lot harder for us to feed oh, our kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, man, fuck your kids, dude. How about that? <laughs> but that's the hard part, right? Like, I think, I think for me, when I when I started, you know, especially when I was in this space, I just I never did it because I wanted to be uh, recognized. Exactly, you know, like I wanted people to laugh and enjoy my things, but. I don't have that hindrance where it's like, will they like it? If they don't like it, all will I take it down? I've always had, do I like it? If you like it, I'm really glad you enjoy it, but I have to like it first, right? So 
people even ask too. Like I remember years ago, that like, what do you do if YouTube explodes? I don't fucking, I don't care. Like YouTube can ex- dis- explode tomorrow. Yeah. I'll figure out another avenue. Then yeah. I, I guess I'm back on the road doing stand up. Yeah, like I'll figure it out. I just have to do what I enjoy. And I think it's always been hard for me to take instructions uh, to do stuff that other people tell me to do that tell me that it'll make me happy. Like I had that with my dad. My dad would always tell me that this is the path in order for you to be successful and happy. And he never knew what I wanted. So I can't do that in a career space either. So I just have to work that hard if I want to maintain the lifestyle that I have. And I just have to find those avenues. And it's happened over multiple times. A lot of these YouTubers and um, entertainers that are on social media that you don't see anymore, the reason why is because they didn't adapt. They just did everything based on what everybody else told them to do. They kept doing the same thing over and over. They didn't think about their identity and their reason why. And because their reason why was only to post for other people, after a while, your clout disappears. What are you left with? You're left with fucking nothing. Very very true. (laughs) So it's hard, right? And I think like- You got to adapt fast to whatever whatever technology or- Yeah. Yeah. You don't don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing is permanent, especially in social media. A lot of people come in, their their average career span, three to five years. They make their money, they disappear, and they're like still searching for fame. They're super sad. They're scratching for notoriety. It's like, bro, you made millions of dollars. Go fuck off and go do something else, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're still waiting for people to look at them and it's like, hey, I remember you from this video. Yeah. I rem- Who the fuck cares? Dude? Yeah. Just fucking be happy and do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And I think like being able to speak your mind is... It's great. And if yeah. people don't like it, they don't like it. Who the fuck? I don't fucking care. Dude. Yeah. Like, I think stand-up probably helped out a lot. Because when you go up, you do a set and it bombs and it hurts. <laughs> why Why did you stop? I wanted to do film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. No, because I remember one day you put retired. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I just didn't. I, I'm very like, once it satisfies a thing for me, I move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that it's dead forever. But I, I think, the I, I remember when I put that there. Because everybody kept on calling me a stand-up comic. And I felt like a fraud. Because I didn't do it. I stopped. Yeah, It was yeah. like, don't call me a stand-up comic. I'm not a stand-up comic. Not as an offensive thing. I just felt like it was. I was being very fraudulent. So that's why now I don't put stand-up comic on my thing. But have you have you gone up or just to mess around? A few times if I want to do jokes here just and there. Mess, yeah, just yeah, to yeah. see if it works. Does, I mean, don't you miss it sometimes or no? As of right now, I don't. Oh, wow. So that's okay. the only reason why I'm not doing it. Yeah. So it's… But you got to do our show one time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bothering you. Come on, come on. One time. No, I, I'll do it. Thank you. Know. you. Thank you. It's on camera. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cut that part out. (laughs) I think the hard part is like uh, when you really like something like stand up or you love it, all the bad stuff that comes with it doesn't really bother you. But because my heart's not into it, if I go up and I bomb, I think it's going to hurt me more. Because if I bomb before, it's like, hey, this is just a bad night. You're yeah. going to do it six, six more nights this, uh, this week anyways. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, yeah. If I do one in the black. Yeah, yeah, and then it just stays bomb, on your mind for a while. Yeah. I'm going to go in my car and cry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cry. I've driven home in complete silence many times. <laughs> no music, just driving, thinking about it. What, how did I say it wrong? Like, what? I thought that was funny. <laughs> and just driving home in silence. People don't, people don't know what that feels like. That shit wrecks you, dude. When you have a bad fucking set. Yeah, like yeah, even well, all- That's why you got to go back. To the next one because you don't want that to linger. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want your last one to just linger. It, it, the bad set. That's so. what I'm saying. Like before, if I bomb, I just kind of whatever, move on. Now because I feel that I don't really care for it as much before. Plus, you're you're so well known. There's like more pressure. I didn't even think about that. Thank well, you so the, much. You know what I'm saying? Oh god. <laughs> I'm getting fucking nervous. No, because I've asked uh, Ryan Higa. He was like, all right, I'll do it once. And then uh, I was like, come on. I, I, I kept asking. And then he's like, no, no, no. 
a bunch of a bunch of YouTube stars. I'm trying to get him to do it, you know. And uh, they're like, eh. I th- I could imagine there must be so much pressure. Well, you've done stand up, but for them to be like, no, the first time because they already there's so much pressure. Well, it's because they have to be funny without editing. With and they can't, you know. You usually you have to work up to like a set, but mm-hmm. they have to be. You know, his fan, their fans don't know. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Because I think there's such a big craft to it that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, exactly. They don't know about timing. They didn't know about pacing. Like, even for me now, like, by the time I stopped doing stand-up, I felt like when I was doing stand-up, I hated every single one of my sets, even if people were laughing. And the reason why is because whenever I got nervous, I got louder and louder and louder. When I should have just be confident in the fact that I'm fucking funny, you know? And I just never got to that point. It was getting there towards the end, and then I cut it out. When I now that I'm older, I'm a lot more confident now in terms of how I present my material. Yeah, so it, it feels better now. Yeah. But I don't but sometimes get sometimes ex- it's effective to get louder. Yeah, for sure. If it's from your heart, like I'm all I'm always gonna remember. I think everyone is like when you're saying like, I mean, this was like really fresh after the Atlanta uh, shootings, and you said, uh, I'm just looking at it like right before work, and and you're like, man, like we're so Asian Americans, we're expected to give a fuck about everyone, but no. Nobody gives a fuck about us. Yeah, in, in so many ways. Not, I mean, and he yeah. said exactly, but you said it like that. Like, and at that moment, I'm like, Dude, I'm, yes, thank you. Like, thank you, brother. I was like, <sighs> we're so invisible sometimes, man. Or we're just like knocked to the side. Everyone's like, whatever. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home. It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. My lovely genius brain farts. This podcast is brought to you by Fume. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're climbing Everest and flip-flops? Yeah, we've been there too. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up, baby. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better healthier and a whole lot more enjoyable what is fume you ask fume is an innovative award-winning flavored air device that does just that instead of vapor fume uses flavored air instead of electronics fume is completely natural and instead of harmful chemicals fume uses delicious flavors you get it instead of bad fume is good it's a habit you're free to enjoy that makes replacing your bad habit easy i keep one in my car just because i'm a fidgety guy and guess what i'd be puffing on that delicious herbal tea vapor my friends nothing bad for you in there and definitely definitely fun to use my friends start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash genius and getting the journey pack today fume is giving listeners of the show 10 percent off when they use my code genius to help make starting the good habit that much 
easier. Start the good habit at trifume.com slash genius to save 10% off the journey pack today. Hey all, it's David So, and if you want to listen to Genius Brain without ads, now you can. Just go to geniusbrain.supercast.com or click the link in the episode description and you can get a one-week preview of the ad-free version for free. You'll get ad-free listening to the show. You can listen on almost any podcasting app and you'll be supporting my show too. That's geniusbrain.supercast.com. Thanks. Hello, my lovely brain farts. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee, my friends. Organic, fair trade, single origin, Arabica coffee with lion's mane mushroom for productivity and chaga mushroom for immune support. This just ain't your morning coffee. This right here is to start your day for the rest of your life. It's super easy on my gut and I don't get all jittery feeling or get that midday crash, which I do not like remember my friends 100% money back guarantee and best of all my friends 20,000 five star reviews so if you're saying that a lot of people don't know what's up with this oh I 20,000 people beg to differ in me included because it's awesome I just do a cold brew style I wrap it up in a cloth dip it in that cold water let it steep for a day or two and I have it in the morning and it gets my day started so we've worked out an exclusive offer with four sigmatic on their best selling mushroom coffee but this is just for genius brain listeners only baby get up to 40% off plus free shipping on mushroom coffee bundles to claim this deal you must go to foursigmatic.com slash brain genius this offer is only for genius brain listeners and is not available on their regular website you'll save up to 40% and get free shipping so go right now to foursigmatic.com slash brain genius and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee yeah it feels like sometimes with like the whole Asian American experience and I also think it's to our credit too because a lot of just like culturally speaking for like Korean Americans Japanese Vietnamese or whatever it's all about doing work where people don't have to praise you right that's why we have trouble with a uh, verbal affirmation hey man you did a good job ah shut nah, the fuck up nah, <laughs> gay ass <laughs> you know, yeah. but stop being gay you know we would, we would say stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and those verbal affirmations aren't really needed even like look at Japanese schools, right? When you clean your classroom, your teacher doesn't go, good job. You go, no, you did the task that you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think for, for us too, we just – our parents and this older generation that's above us, they just did good deeds just to do good deeds because you're supposed to do it. And when bad things would happen, they're like, ah, whatever, and then move on because it's – I'm not sure if it's an ego thing, but I always looked at it as this person, if they wrong me, they're beneath me. I don't have to address it. But now the generation is d- different and it's shifted, right? If we don't speak up about things, we get kind of pushed under the rug. And so a lot a lot with like racial issues, we're getting pulled to both sides. It's like if you're not saying anything, they go, oh, you're this Asian person's trying to connect themselves to whiteness. Oh, if you're if you're speaking for something like BLM, it's like, look at this guy. He's trying to be too black. It's like then when it comes to our issues, it goes, our issues are bigger. What are you complaining about? Yeah. It's like, okay, so what the fuck do you want from me now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So if I'm I'm either too white, I'm either too this, and then when I have issues, you say, okay, but be quiet. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, then you know what? Fuck all you guys. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll support what I want to support. You know, I'll support BLM because I feel like it's a big part of my life. I don't think you should always shit on white people for everything. But when I have issues, I'm going to speak up about it. Yeah, yeah. And you should be able – and I should be able to say shit without you telling me that I'm fucking being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, man. That shit. was the tough part. Yeah, you were speaking from your car like to to the world, man. 
You know what I'm saying? Was that out right out here? <laughs> <laughs> Literally right out there in the car. I'm yeah, just like, yeah, I, I was like, okay, yeah. I, I just you're just speaking from your car, like, and it, I, it, even that too. I think that's it's cool when you do that because a lot of people we consume a lot of media in the car, and it's usually alone, yeah, like to work, and it's like whatever you're, whether you listen to hip hop, rock, or for me, sports radio or talk radio. The car is something very real, you know, because mm. that's where you're. I don't know. People turn into road rage in their car too. The nicest guy. I had a friend like super nice. And then once he, he just started uh, road raging in the middle of the conversation and then went back to talking to me normal. And I was like, shit, man. Like, I, was, <laughs> I was like thinking, who are you, bro? And so it's like a real place. So when you're speaking that from the video, like there were a lot of hogs, man. You, it was like game changing. I mean, it was weird. Like I don't respect for that. When, when I, when I did those videos, it, yeah, I remember people it's were asking. From the heart, dude, you could feel it. Because <laughs> how long did it take you to write that? I was like, I didn't fucking write that exactly, shit. Exactly. Yeah. That shit's too fast for me to write, you know. <clears throat> so I would just say what I wanted to say. I post it, and I'm like, whatever, and I would move on. Yeah. So I didn't really go back and look at the videos because looking at the videos made me mad, you know. So I would just post it. It's like, yo, I wanted to say what I wanted to say. You take with it what you want. And then, um, yeah, a couple of friends were hitting me up. They're like, yo, your fucking video circulating. I'm like, yeah. what fucking video are you talking about? They're like, the video you did on Instagram. I'm like, what the fuck? And then, you know, million views, X amount of millions of views. I'm like, Jesus. Like, I didn't know people uh, cared about content like that anymore. You know, I thought they just wanted the, the fucking pranks and the fucking water balloon in the face. But I think during that time, because it was so. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, the Asian American community, what was encouraging were the non-Asian people that cared about it. Yeah. I mean, of course, and then there's the drama and all this other stuff. But for the most part, that was the most encouraging because I got dirty looks, man, during the pandemic. I, undeniable. And that's nothing compared to what so many people went through. Mm -hmm. But just knowing that clearly I got, you know, some just glares and dirty looks in the grocery store, in the park with my kids and just feeling this like like that kind of, you know, and uh, my, one of my kids uh, getting yelled at Corona, you know, just that. And then uh, like exponentially multiply that what so many other people were going through is just like, man, dude, it's, it was so frustrating. It was frustrating and it was good to hear people just talk about it. We needed it. It was funny. Know? Interesting. It was like, I remember I told the story on the podcast where somebody called me you people and that shit made me feel so empowered. <laughs> Because I was like, I have been waiting my whole life to say the word you people back at somebody with a question mark. <laughs> and I was like, you people. I was like, you people. And I felt so good. And then everybody was like, what do you mean, you people? And they started jumping down this lady's throat. I'm like, oh, look at that, dude. That shit was fucking powerful. Like, I got to throw it right back in her fucking face. But yeah, I, I when you know when you're walking around your typical neighborhoods that you didn't have to deal with this stuff before, it's it was weird. I was thinking I I never had to deal with somebody looking at me funny. And I've been walking around this neighbor doing eight to four mile walks for the past like six, seven years. Yeah. And it's just a little too coincidental that somebody calls me. You people tells me I'm the reason. For All blah, of a sudden. Blah, blah. Now, yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what, what is this shit? Um, <clears throat> I guess like for me, too, it doesn't bother me as much because it's one out of like 90 something. Yeah. So out of 100 people, one person says something. I'm just going to take that experience for what it is and then understand that there was like the other 99 that was there being very supportive. Yeah. It's just kind of emboldened a lot of people who already had these feelings towards Asian people exactly. and allowed them to say it out loud because they don't feel like they're they're fearful anymore. 
It was this idea of, oh, now everybody knows you're a piece of shit. So if I say it out loud, I feel more emboldened. Yeah. That's why people had issues with China virus. And exactly. A lot of people didn't understand, you know. This is one time, you know, first of all, I, I love the, uh, how, how diverse your friends are and your, you know, your love of culture. But, you know, my college roommates, I went to Occidental College, Obama. <laughs> uh, before he transferred out. That's where he smoked weed though. Yeah. Uh, my roommates were white, black, Latino. I was the Asian guy. We looked like, we always called ourselves the college brochure. We, yeah. had like, we just needed a Native American dude, you know, yeah. Middle Eastern dude. Um, but, you know, I had a diverse group of friends. We're, we're still close today during the pandemic. But uh, man, the Asian American community really needed to support and continue to support the Chinese community because they just got the hate that the Middle Easterners got after 9 11. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just that. Oh, it's a different level. And then a lot of Asians were like, no, nah, well, we're not Chinese. Like we're, di you know, it's just like, no man, like they can't funny story because you brought up that, that fan who I love. I opened for him in Hawaii a long time ago. Right. And then we had a show, little Tokyo and it was that fan and friends. And, uh, I was on it. And then I sent my picture to whoever the graphic person was. And, uh, you know, Paul Kim, but I put PK, but they just saw Paul Kim and on the flyer when it came out, it, you know, Paul Kim, who was an American Idol. Yeah, barefoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, Somebody, we both yeah. know Paul. Uh, it was a picture of Paul Kim from American That's Idol. Even though I it. sent in mine, <laughs> they got lazy and they just put, oh, just Paul Kim. And they're like, oh, we know Paul Kim. And I go, I sent it to dad. I go, dad, I opened for you, bro. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it's my graphic person. But I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. The fact that, you, you know, we all look alike and just the same name is like even <laughs> furthermore, we should support just like just like they should support Koreans, you know what I'm saying? Like it, in terms of like just being down for like man, fuck that they're calling it kung flu. They were spray playing kung flu onto restaurants in Texas, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And people were like, "Well, it's not a big deal." It's like, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> it's hard, right? Because and I know I, I explained this before too, and I'm pretty sure, you know, if people think about it, they might agree. Is the the idea, the Asian identity in this country, it's 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 hard to compare it to black Americans and Mexican Americans. Yeah. And the reason why is because Asians in general don't think of themselves as a monolithic society, yeah. right? Korean, Japanese, all this, the languages, the cultures, the behaviors, the history is all completely different. different yeah. When somebody looks at somebody who's Mexican, they think, oh, this person's from Mexico. We can share these, these certain, you know, cultural stuff that we're really proud of. Yeah. But you look at the history between Japan and Korea, it's very different. In yeah. fact, we had our own issues with Japan and Korea, yeah. with the whole, you know, the, the comfort women, you know. Yeah. So there's, it's it's not as easy for other Asian people because when they go, oh, you're all Asian, it's not the same. Because yeah. when we come to this country, we actually come to this country with our identity. Yeah. When it comes to black Americans, their identity was stripped from them. Yeah. They were brought here as chattel. So it wasn't, you know, somebody from um ex part of Africa from this part of Africa and they still kept their culture. All that shit was stripped and taken away from them. Completely. For yeah. us, when we came here, we came here with our culture, our language, and our food, and we created our separate communities. Totally. So it's hard for us to for an older generation too to say, oh, this Chinese person is also uh Asian like me. They go, oh, these are my Korean brothers and sisters. These are my the language is different, the culture is different, everything else. So I think for that generation it's just difficult, right? But I think one of the hard things for that generation to understand is like you might understand that, but a person who has, uh, who's racist, who doesn't care about what your language, culture, food, identity is, yeah, you're just a gook, yeah, that's it, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was a hard thing for her. So I had a friend who who came on this podcast and was talking about when she grew up. Her She, uh, she is uh, an immigrant from, um, I believe it's Ghana. I might be mis- mistaken. But it's from Africa, right? Her parents didn't like black Americans because they're considered immigrants. She goes, we're immigrants. We work hard. I don't understand why these black Americans, they can't get their shit together. That's how they felt. Um, because in their eyes, they're African. Oh, we're not black Americans. We're African. Yeah. But when they go out in the outside world yeah. and somebody just looks at them like they're black and they go, oh, it doesn't matter what we think we are to everybody else. We're just another black person. And I think Asian people started to realize that now. It's like, oh, in this country, though, we we do have our own cultures, our own language. Yep. When it comes to somebody who hates us, we're just a gook. Especially during the pandemic. That's what I'm saying. Like this, yeah. this should be the time where most Asians should understand like to come together, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's 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 going to be I don't know. Like I I always feel a little weird about telling people how they should do their form of activism, right? Yeah. Because now when it comes to activism, there's social currency involved in it. Yeah. Do we speak up because we believe it or do we do it because of the optics, because of the way that it makes us look? True. And so a lot of these conversations that I have with the younger generation, they're just angry to be angry without a purpose. That's the hardest thing about young activism. Especially because it's like type, com- type, type, comments, type. you know, anonymous. Mm-hmm. There needs to be an ID, like some company that creates something where if you comment, it's connected to your face, like your driver's light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he might might move to China, bro. Like, <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like it's this anonymous troll thing. It's just it's it's ruining the country, man. Ruining the world, man. Well, this is what's happening. There was, I mean, there's like all these like independent studies done, um, especially with like a younger group of kids on what apps like Instagram and social media does to their psyche in terms of. Have they thought about killing themselves? Depression. Depression, like self-importance and, and self-esteem. Um, it's hard to escape. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're a father. Like yeah. you, you, you're gonna have to No, my wife worries about it like crazy. And yeah. as she should be, because yeah. it's pretty scary how somebody's value now is based on what everybody else tells them. And it was always like that, but before it was just the village. Well, now it's the whole world. Yeah. And if and it's like you could see the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's like a number in your face. Your yeah. mistakes are amplified. Yeah. Your victories are kind of brushed off. It's bullying, cyberbullying. <laughs> People love doing that shit, yeah. right? Like, and I'm all for comedy and jokes or whatever, right? But unless that idea or mentality is given to the person, like, like let's say your kids, it's like, hey, this is all for jokes. Just take it as jokes. And don't worry about what people say. Just continue to do what you do. This podcast, my friends, is sponsored by BetterHelp. There is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. Well, guess what, my friends? I have been there. And I'm telling you right now, use BetterHelp if you haven't tried non-traditional offline therapy. See, traditional therapy can be really weird for some people. Maybe some of you guys have social anxiety. Maybe you feel weird about meeting somebody in person, especially right now during COVID. So guess what? You can do it online. You can start communicating with a professional therapist in under 48 hours and is done securely online. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, which means it's super accessible. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. And my friends, I've seen it happen because a lot of you have been DMing me telling me that you started BetterHelp and you started feeling better, which makes me feel great because you guys are listening to what I'm saying when it comes to focusing on your mental health. So visit betterhelp.com slash genius. That's better H-E-L-P and join over the 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Special offer for Genius Brain listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com 
Indeed.com slash genius. And by the way, no matter how many times I say that I try to do that, I'm not going to lie. Things get under my fucking skin. It's just I choose not to let it last all day. Yeah. It's under my skin in that moment. And then two minutes later, it's gone. And then I move on from it. And then if you ask me about it in a week from now, do you remember that? I'll probably say no. Because not because it didn't affect me then. It's just it's not a big deal. Yeah. So everything's a big deal now, though. Like I said, your kids make a mistake, like an embarrassing mistake. That shit lives with them forever because of the internet. Yeah. So how do you tell these kids who are already impressionable, who already have like societal uh, expectations out of them in terms of what it is to be cool and wanted that, hey, when you fuck up, it's going to stay on the internet for the rest of your life and you just have to learn how to get over it. It's hard. Well, it also, it, it discourages them from trying, you yeah. know, like trying to make mistakes or taking a risk because it's like, you know, it could be like life ending. You know, everybody's going to hate me or, you that's, know. That's the thing too. It's like, I, I wish I could tell some of these kids what well, I do all the time. It's like, you're going to fuck up. Yeah, exactly. You're going to make mistakes all the time. I tell my kids to make mistakes. Like it's learn now. Yeah. Like now's <laughs> yeah. the time to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah before yeah. you fucking get a rap sheet that lasts forever. Like yeah. just fucking make all your mistakes now. Yeah. I, I say it too all the time. It's like the idea of being scared is just an idea, right? Once you get over it, it's it's in the past. Like you'll do something, right? You're scared of it. You do it. What happens next? Are you going to fucking die? Absolutely not. So Take the experience and then move on. Yeah. It's hard. I get it. it. It's fucking hard. And I, when people listen to this advice, they go, oh, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, but I follow through and it's difficult. Yeah. You think stand-up was fucking easy for somebody who has crazy anxiety? My anxiety is through the roof. Like, But I just tell myself to shut the fuck up and I go up on stage and then I see what happens. And like I say, when I go up and I bomb, I go cry in my car. <laughs> and then I, I scream. I scream into my fucking pillow for an hour. And then I go up and I do it again. It's the idea that once again, too, people just don't want to feel pain. Yeah. That's how everything is being built now. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't say this because somebody might get their feelings hurt. hurt. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't do this because it makes somebody else sad. Yeah. Guess what? You can't please everybody. That's yeah. not fucking life. Yeah. They're doing everything they can now to make sure nobody feels anything but happiness. And that is a complete farce it's not possible yeah i hate that shit yeah because now now when you when you say something that people don't agree with they go why are you being disrespectful well my thing is why are you being such a little bitch <laughs> like yeah, stop yeah. being a bitch yeah, yeah. if i have a point you disagree with guess what you can do open that stupid fucking mouth of yours and tell me how you feel just disagree and then we just disagree and then we have a drink and we move fucking on and doesn't matter too yeah. it doesn't matter if you and i disagree on something yeah. like unless it's about hey it's like hey you know what i can do i should probably kidnap some children and i'm like hold on a second <laughs> you know <laughs> we can't agree to disagree on this yeah, yeah, yeah. but when it comes to ideologies like politics or whatever if it doesn't affect you know my life or the world in a negative way and it's just a thought and opinion i'm okay with you having yeah that's how definitely it should be uh during the trump era though uh i lost my my best friend during that time so i we still haven't talked and uh, he's a true big time Trump supporter, which is fine. But uh, it was just he 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 changed, man. And like it was just a constant uh, berating me. And uh, I don't know, we we couldn't talk like like we used to be like mm-hmm. we like best friend. We were each other's best men, each other's wedding. Mm. And uh, he just watched certain media all day and read some stuff. And but why was he coming at you so hard? It was just like it, it, we couldn't we we couldn't avoid it. It was like so intense during that time, and it just kept coming to that. And I'm a moderate liberal. I'm not liberal liberal. I'm like moderate. My whole family's conservative. Yeah, uh, you know. So uh, 
it, it was just like this, like calling me lip tart. You, you know, it, and I'm like, bro. And then we got on these group texts and he would do it in the group text. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm taking a break, man. Why is he so pressed though? Like, I don't see, that's what I'm talking about too. He's not trying to have a conversation. He's trying to demean you for believing in the stuff that you believe. Yeah. And that's when I felt like, dude, this ain't, this ain't a, this isn't a discussion anymore. And there's more than that. I'm hurt. Like, I thought we're home. Like what's yeah. going on, man? Like, so I, that's when I, I sort of take a break. And then that break hasn't stopped. We just haven't. Um, for me, I've always in our friendship, you know, for it was 20 years, we, I've always been the one, this is my personality. That's probably why I've, I've been married for 15 years is even when I'm not wrong, I, I say sorry first, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep peace, you know? Why are you but, so nice, dude? But in this one, on this one, I'm like, no, fuck that. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to say sorry first, man. Like if you want, if you value our friendship, all you got to do is just pick up the phone and just say, hey man, sorry about that. And then we'll continue. He has so much pride. And I don't ever remember in our friendship him ever saying sorry about anything. He sounds Korean to me. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> that's that's the most Korean sounding man I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, all right, if you're going to- Sorry? Sorry, what? Sorry, Sorry? 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 Sorry. My dad only said sorry to me once in my life. And he did it, like slipped it out. I don't even think he knew he said it to me. <laughs> Like we were, he was looking for a phone number yeah. and he messed up the number that he was repeating back to me. And he goes, oh, sorry. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and that's the last time I heard it. It was, it was when I was uh, uh, 17. That's funny. I'm trying to think, did my dad ever say sorry? <laughs> my mom has literally said to me, I will never, ever say sorry. If I'm quiet, that means I'm sorry. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, that's all those, uh, those memes, right? the, all the Asian parents, they say sorry about cutting up fruit. Yeah. It's true. She doesn't man. even do that. She just stays, just stays quiet, quiet and she stares at me. And then she just starts doing the dishes. <laughs> so there's no sorry. There's no sorry. Yeah. There's no sorry. And I love you because my mom was in Korea and um, I, I always go, oh, my, I love you. And she goes, oh, <laughs> she doesn't say it back. I'm my like, mom started saying I love you in the last like six or seven years. Yeah. I think more Asian parents are like, yeah. it's a, yeah. My it's mom never said it before. Never. And then out of nowhere, she goes, oh, Adra, like, I love you. And I'm like, whoa. I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just like off the phone. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> yeah. You can't say it back. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I just oh, like, the roles have reversed. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. But now, now I say it back. If It feels pretty normal, but it took a lot of practice saying I love you back to her. My dad will never say I love you. We actually had a huge fight years ago. And that huge fight was the reason why I got to understand who my father is. And I'm like, oh, you're just emotionally stupid. Like you cannot, it's not capable because it wasn't taught to you. And you've gone 60 years of your life not doing this. I'm not going to try to change you. Exactly. You're going to have an aneurysm. Like just it's so true. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly why uh, guys, dads, husbands need to continue to get together with other guys and uh, learn how to talk about real shit. Like, I have a mastermind group that I form with a bunch of dads that live around our area. And every dad said, dude, this has been a lifesaver. We meet every other month. It's been like four years and we go around first and, you know, we have beer, we go around and we just talk about how we're doing and that's it. That, and then one, each meeting, someone presents like a business thing or we help each other out. That one thing has been, cause you feel like an Island sometimes, you know, mm. and like Korean men are taught not to express their feelings and they're just, they just, you know, shit it on all day at work and they come home and they just like don't talk about things. So they just volcanoes, man. You know, that's why Korean temper is like, 
Well, I think that's true too because I feel like with my dad growing up, he had so much shit on his plate, right? So my mom didn't really speak English. She had to do all the paperwork stuff. He had to do all the financial things. Had to take care of the grandparents. I was a little fucking asshole. We were broke as shit. We couldn't, we couldn't really do much. Yeah. And then he would be, you know, he's also a pastor too. So he's out here trying to, you know, tend to his sheep and his flock. That's right. And then after a while, just out of nowhere, you know, just start snapping. It's like, yo, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. It's because he has no outlet. Yeah. He's so busy helping everybody else out. He doesn't ever think about himself. No outlet. And then he just starts beating my ass. <laughs> and then I just got to just over here duck all these blows and shit. You know what I mean? Because I, yeah. My dad was like that too. Yeah. The volcano, man. Yeah. The, the, the Korean yelling was so nuts, man. Yeah. One of my mom's favorite phrases that she, I mean, every Korean parent, I think, said this, or maybe it's just my parents. She goes, <laughs> You die, Please. I die, we all die. You die, I die, we all die. Dad, and I'm like, so true, yeah. just because I didn't eat my rice, bro? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that about? Are you going to fucking just fucking take do us it? all out? Yeah, she would always say that shit. I'm like, you know, this, it's funny because as an adult now, I can just just talk to my mom freely and yeah. I, I remember the other day i was talking to my mom i'm like hey why do you say stuff like that <laughs> like why did you why did you threaten to kill me <laughs> like so many times she goes i'm not crazy i don't crazy <laughs> you know she sounds cute <laughs> yeah, she goes, she's so crazy. crazy she would she would just be so extreme <laughs> but i get it now though you know being poor and then trying to navigate this country how hard was that for them Dude, our first generation parents man heroes man heroes yeah. yeah everything they went through i can't even imagine you yelling at somebody though. no no so i i i got my dad's temper mm-hmm. and it came on the worst times i'll just tell you two short ones embarrassing <laughs> one time is a house party like a dpd and uh young soul such everybody's over uh my wife and then we're playing cranium and we're you know, we're drinking like hard and then drunk and my wife was on uh, my boy's team and they were cheating and moving up the piece without people looking. And I saw it because they did it multiple times. And I go, I fucking saw that. And then they're like, what? No. And I accuse and I go, look in my eyes, right? And my wife and my boy, I go, did you move the piece? They both said no. And I go, I fucking flipped my lid. And TPD said, everybody at the house party looked at it. Their eyebrows went up because I fucking started yelling. Fuck you, I fucking know. I fucking know what I saw. And I was about to flip the whole board. I went cr- over a board game, right? And everybody was cracking up. And I, dude, I, I, I like stopped the whole party for like 10 minutes. I was going crazy. And then later we we're about to go to sleep. And then I was like, babe, did you move peace? She goes, I did. I go, I'm going to kill you right now. Like, do, do you know what a fool I made of myself? Yeah. I'm like, I, I was like pacing the house. I couldn't even. And then another time at a collaboration meeting. You know what the funniest thing about that story is? Is how you ratted out your own family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> wife. No, she's the, honest, she's the most honest person. Except, <laughs> except at board games. <laughs> you looked at your wife and like, I'm going to snitch on you right now. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. And then uh, at a collaboration meeting, uh, Danny Chill and Jason Kim, while the other team was doing Taboo, mm-hmm. they were yelling donkey, like, like trying to distract them. Donkey, donkey, mm-hmm. donkey. And I was getting so mad because these were like newcomers to the staff. And so when when it was their turn to go and they were playing Taboo, again, I'm drunk. I started yelling, donkey, 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 motherfucker. I was just like going crazy. And everybody was like, what the fuck is it with you know PK and board games? You know what's scary about you is like you don't get mad at things you should be mad at. <laughs> like, you get mad at some of the dumb board shit. Games. Board games. It's like somebody. No, it came out, man. And that's why… Yeah, I probably didn't have an outlet, man. Like, I'm like yelling at board games. 
That's the weird. The funny thing is, is that people who do that, they never get taken seriously. It's like because of this. Yeah, I know. It's like I literally stole a thousand dollars from you. It's like don't worry about that. But the board game. <laughs> why the fuck would you do that? I know. Have you ever thought about going to therapy and unpacking this shit? Uh, no, but stand up comedy has helped. Stand up comedy is not therapy. It is. No, some, it's not. Yes, because sometimes you go to you do a, a coffee shop like in Thousand Oaks or whatever, an hour away. You don't know a single person. And nobody knows you there. And then there's times when I'm not doing my set. I just start talking about my life. And it, and my wife I, we, and I had gotten a fight. And then I come back and I'm totally a different person. At peace. I let it out. I think that's the thing. That's the difference. That's therapeutic. It's not therapy. It's th- yeah, it's not therapy. It's therapeutic. Yeah. It's therapy. therapy is different. Yeah. Because you have to unpack why you do those things. True. And that's what a therapist is for. Yeah. True. So all those things that you feel that you might not feel comfortable, even talking to some of these people who are your closest friends. Yeah. If you find the right therapist, they, it, it's weird. It's like you have somebody that you feel that you could tell all this bullshit that you would never tell anybody else. Yeah. Like I just remember I went to my uh, therapy session like a few months back and I was like, I feel pretty good. Right. And she's like, Talking to me about my life and everything else. I just she's go, not hot, right? Huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, she's she's cute. Did your did your fiance have a say in this? <laughs> oh, let, me, let me tell you something. My fiance is never worried about me leaving her. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, I'm just saying, but they just don't want like a hot. She's uh, not very jealous therapy. at all, though. Oh, okay. Because she just there's just so many movies and books about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The therapist. I just, well, it was a Zoom therapy session, so oh, okay. just, oh shit. Yeah, she just turned okay. it on. My legs were open. Oh. <laughs> Okay, no, no, we, I thought it was in person. No, no, no. Like uh, we were doing it through Zoom, and I just started talking, and the next thing you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like crying about shit, and I'm, yeah, yeah. and I don't know why, yeah. you know. But there's like things that they help you unpack because they have all these like tools and devices for you to use for you to kind of reassess what's going on in your head, and the why is the hardest thing to find out before you do therapy. Yeah, you know that you were angry, you understand these emotions, but do you ever say, hey, the reason why I felt this way is because I was embarrassed. Because you made me feel like a fool because I, my feelings were hurt. You hurt my feelings. Yeah. One of the hardest things for, ever, for me to ever say because I felt like a little bitch. Yeah. So I remember the other day, Mariel and I got into a little argument. It was very small, but she was doing something that was irritating me. And then I, I drove out and I was driving and I was going to drop it. I was like, no, I, I'm going to tell her how I feel. And I called her up. I was like, hey, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> She's like, why? Why did I hurt your feelings? I tell her, well, because you did this and now my feelings are hurt. And she goes, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. But before I couldn't say that. Ever. I could never tell her my feelings are hurt. That's amazing. Yeah. And even as I say it right now, I want to shoot myself in the face. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No, I I know. But it's like like how your mom can say, I love you now. mm -hmm. You know, it's like growth. But I have to communicate these emotions in a way that she understands. I can't tell her. It's like, hey, you know what? You're being ridiculous. It's like, it's not that what you said hurt my feelings and I needed an apology for me to feel better. And because I couldn't say that before, she never understood how I felt. Cause if I told a dude, Hey man, you're being ridiculous right now. I feel like a dude would be like, I am, you know, I'm kind of tripping, whatever. I get it. She doesn't communicate that way. She can only see in in her lens. So if I could speak her language, then she could understand how she makes me feel. Yeah. So the, you hurt my feelings part was it. I literally felt like I had two fucking pliers. I was pulling out my teeth. As I was saying it, I'm like, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but the apology happened like that. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's Well, you're honest and vulnerable. It's like, yeah. Because imagine you know, that vulnerability is like super hard too. Yeah. Right? Because especially sure. if you can't off put it with a joke. 
because yeah. that's what comedy is. That's well. That's why a lot of guys can't say "I love you." They go, "I love you, man. I love you, bro." Dude, I remember. Dude, me and my best friend, I, I'll always end the phone call with like telling him I love him, and he always calls me a little bitch, <laughs> and then he'll do it to me, and I just like, oh, this fucking makes me feel weird. Yeah, yeah. But we've been doing it now for a few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's always fucking difficult. But I've I've been so open to saying I love you to people now. Yeah. I say it to guys way easier than I do to girls. Well, like, yeah, I mean, because you're engaged now, <laughs> it, it, sh- it shrinks the pool of people you could really say. I just say I love you to all these women. I really, I, I love you. I really love you. Yeah, yeah I know. That's uh, the reason why I asked if, like, if your therapist was hot is because we had a we used care.com to find like a, a babysitter nanny. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I lined them all up, and then you know, obviously. Uh, you know, Tammy's not going to choose anyone that's remotely cute. One of them was cute. And she's like, she has no experience. And like, it said, she has like, it said like 15 years of experience. <laughs> like she just completely looked over that. She goes, well, she beats children. <laughs> she beats them all the time. She was like, it was at a church. That's what she said. I'm like, well, what's wrong with kids that are at church? Are they like not kids or they're, they're kids? And then anyways, yeah, we, uh, yeah, does, we didn't go with the cute one. Does, does, does your wife uh, get jealous sometimes? No, but it definitely, you know, that's the thing about social media too. It's like you have to be conscious, respectful. I remember the Clipper girls all came to Laugh Factor after they took a picture. They hooked my arms and I could see her. She's like, oh, okay. Is that what goes on? Picture to not picture tell. You got to kind of be like, okay. like It's like, you like that? You fucking punt ass motherfucker. No, I'm saying like you got to, you you got to, it's, it's bad that if, if the girl is not attractive, then when you take pictures, you could be like really friendly. You have to. It's too obvious. But if they're hot, then you got to be all like, doo, doo, doo. no, you got to start talking shit about them. It's like, you know, these bimbos, right? All they do is talk about their fucking hair. I'm so glad you're not like them. And then you sit there with your fucking dick yeah. all hard. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you got to sit like this. Well, the, I think yeah. the reason why she never feels any type of jealousy, she also knows I get annoyed at people really fast. And yeah, the people that I'm around, whether they're women, men or not, or doesn't really matter who the fuck they are, their status, what they look like. If you fucking annoy me, I want you the fuck away from me. Yeah. And I've always I've always never. Yeah, I think when you're young and you're a boy, you're super horny. You want to be around hot chicks. That period ended for me really quick. Yeah. And I think it's because of my my temperament as. all, Yeah, definitely. You definitely have a fire temperament. But <laughs> yeah. Also, as you get older, you're just less patient with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like usually you're, when you're young, your patience with the hot girls longer. Mm-hmm. And then that just gets shorter and shorter and shorter. My, yeah. my patience with people who just are r- really stupid. And I'm not saying I'm a really smart guy either, but. You are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it's very, very short. Like yeah. I could literally care less. Every, every person that I ended up being with a long relationship with is only because it's always like I respected them first. Yeah, they were cute or whatever, whatnot. But I feel like in Los Angeles, everybody's fucking cute or attractive. Freaking good looking Olympics in LA. Can I try this? Uh, or is this yours? That's uh, oh, Tommy's drink. Like, I mean, you could oh, open and drink it. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was like a like a soda or something. Oh, it's not. It's a it's like a four loco energy vodka. <laughs> yeah, it's a four loco basically. It's Monday night, bro. Yeah. Hey man, it's it's it must, it's a Saturday every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you. but it's <laughs> because oh. you got so many kids, man. Oh yeah. How many kids you have? Three. Damn. Twelve, nine, and six. Oh, they're fine. Then you don't, old, you, don't you don't have to take care of them now. They're good. Are you guys thinking about it or no? Um, maybe in a couple of years. Just yeah. because I have like so much going on right now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I would definitely wait. You know, when you have that kid, it's, it's different. It's a game changer, yeah. I, I I still have so much of my own personal wants and things that I want to do. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to have a kid to the point where I feel like I can't make moves because of them. Because if I'm a dad, I'm a dad. Like I'm going to want to be around for this kid. It wasn't like that for my parents. They had to work all the time. Yeah. So, you know, how many and how would you raise me? 
So uh, I don't want that. I want to be able to like have a conversation with my kid. I want to be able to chastise him without socking him in the face. You know, <laughs> I think you're gonna be a great dad, man. I see Bart too, man. I'm like, wow, that's really cool, man. Bart's Bart. I think- I, I, I just remember when they first started their channel, dude. I I, rem- I give them all the props because I remember they said like, mom or is it Bart or Joe? Like, can we just can you just support us just these few months till we get it going? Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how long it was. And I just remember looking at them like, dude, those guys are going to make it, man. Those guys are just, they're putting everything in, just all in. Did, did you always do uh, stand-up and then another job? Yeah. How do you do that? That's just so fucking hard. Well, that's why I'm just moving so slow. I mean, no excuse to, I should <laughs> yeah. be more disciplined, but it's also three kids and I have a full-time job and I MC weddings and I'm always involved with a, a community, but uh, it just like, I'm just thankful for like one spot a week. That's it. But for me, it's like, like you said, not therapy, it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's amazing. Like for me, it's feel it, like I just, I've, I'm always going to try to make it, of course. But I also know like a lot of people have just completely stopped and they're like giving up on everything. And I'm like, no, for me, it's like, I'm going to just keep doing it and see where it goes. Because even if I don't ever make it, like I've opened for Joe Coy and rode on his tour bus. And I'm like, that never would have happened yeah, if yeah, yeah. I wasn't just continually just doing stand up. But I always had to have a, I always had to live. Yeah. So for you, do you ever feel, and I always wonder this too. It's like, do you feel that if you gave up on your other stuff just to work on it for like a couple years, do you feel that that would be your big step up? Yes. And I I know a number in my mind I need to have for me to take a year or two off. Mm -hmm. And with three kids, it's a lot, man. It's a lot, especially in LA. And uh, yeah, we live in a small house and we're still, but I, you know, I'm just thankful. It, it's, I'm very grateful. And I do cherish this time because our family, since we live in a small home, we're always around each other. And it's made me love my kids in a way where I don't know if I would, I, I'm not, I don't know. I can't, I, I just, oh my God or anything. But if we had a bigger house, would I be as close to them? I have to be close to them. We're always in the living room together. You're in my face. Yeah, like I get on no, I go to the backyard just to just to go to the backyard sometimes, <laughs> just to get out. And then, but I am so close with them, man. I work from home. I, I I'm a recruiter from home, but I'm just I'm doing the drop off pickups. I I uh, I it's it's amazing. At the same time, I'm like, damn, man. They watch what I do. Like I have a bit about masturbation, and now my oldest is like. He, uh, you know, he's like, hey, me and my friends have seen it. And I'm like, oh, man. It's like, now I got to kind of like, okay. Like now all his friends are watching, all his parents are watching it. I'm like, okay. Dude, so, can I tell you the most uncomfortable thing that happened to me today? When you talk about being online and all your shit's out there. Yeah. So as I was walking, I was telling the story to my buddy Khalif about uh, a buddy of mine who's going to stop uh, being a pastor at his church because of all the Korean drama that happens in Korean churches. Yeah. And we were talking about it. And lo and behold, the person in front of us is a bishop. And he turns around and he's like, oh, hello, brother. How you doing? It's like, oh, so what church do you think? He starts opening and talking to me about Christ or whatever. And then he says the one thing, what's your Instagram? I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, like, what's your Instagram? You know, we were talking about God, church, and Christ and the things that I've done. I was a youth minister for a little bit. Were you really? Yeah, I was a youth minister for like two, three years. So In Sacramento? Yeah. Dang. So this is why people think I, I speak very prophetically and it's because of training <laughs> so yeah wow yeah it's like junior high or high school or so i was i was doing like online 
uh, seminary school during this time when I was trying to be a pastor because wow. uh, I thought it was my calling and I yeah. found I fucking hate people. So I was like, whether you go to hell is your choice or not. And if you're there and I'm there, well, you better watch out. I'm going to beat your ass there too. I thought it was my calling and I realized <laughs> I fucking hate people. <laughs> That's really what happened. These kids, dude. There was a few kids at the church. If you guys are watching that, I really liked you. But there the was, ones I didn't like, I, I really hope you died now. That's one of the most real things I've heard in a while, man. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was my calling, but I realized I fucking hate people. <laughs> Oh, that's that's real church shit, oh, dude. Man. I had to deal that's, with so much bullshit. Uh, yeah, then, no, of course. My dad's church feels like that drama. The uh, the elders fought underneath. You know, said it in Korean and English. The little the, with the black brush, like the yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah. Kid. They were fighting underneath. Love is patient. Love is kind. I'm never gonna forget that. And I was I was started getting cheered. I was like, what do you guys? Doing the police came, the tongues were doing the you know the front kick, yeah, the, the, the shaky kick, shit. the shaky kick, <laughs> the kick. I fucking love the shaky kick, dude. They were doing that in suits, and I was like, why is it that that happens at every Korean church that I've been ego, to? Ego, pride, politics. I I went to a Korean church, and this was during the uh, the adult sermon. They were like they were uh, basically assigning new people to be deacons, and they're looking for a new head pastor. And the head pastor who's going to leave, he wanted to address all the drama. And he starts talking up there. He starts preaching. He goes, if anybody has a problem, say it now. One of this guys, his name was Sean. His father stood up. He's like, you know, starts fucking cursing him out in the middle of church. In the middle of church. Right? Goes up. They start fighting. The, the, the guy, Sean, this dude was on like on roids. So he was super short tempered, goes up and knocks out the head pastor. In the middle of the service? In the middle of the <laughs> oh fucking service. You, you want to talk about somebody who has the fastest ticket to hell. That it's gonna be that guy. Oh shit. Wait, was it a clean whoop-a? It was a clean whack. Sucker Knock punch? him the fuck out. And the crazy thing is, like, we knew about this guy's short temper because we would have Turkey Bowl. We would have the church football, flag football thing. This dude was so roided out. I remember I'm a big guy. How old is he? He was like eight years older than me. And I'm like uh, maybe like a junior in high school and we're playing turkey bowl. He knocked out the head pastor? Yeah, he was like 20-something years old and he knocked out the head pastor. I will forever remember that shit because I, I didn't like him because he would always take turkey bowl too too seriously, like all Korean people with volleyball and football and flag football. And I remember just because I was a big guy, I got the ball, I received it, and this fool hit me so fucking hard. I flew in the air. I was parallel to the floor, and I had time to think about my life. <laughs> like, I was just sitting there just like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And then I hit the floor. The wind came out of me. Uh... And I'm like, bro, you're like 28 years old. Why would you do this to me? I'm still a kid. Yeah. But he didn't give a fuck. And those are the shit that we always had to deal with at churches. These fucking crazy people. Yeah. I have so many weird church stories. I got one almost as good. I think this is just as good. But <laughs> that, that one is crazy, bro. I've never heard of that. Head pastor get knocked out. This is my boy, Dave. He was one of my groomsmen, too. He went to uh, a church in K-Town. Uh, it, was a, it was a really uh, popular one, FGLA. A lot of, like, uh, you know, gangster guys used to go there, too. Of but course. there was, like, a, a high school group where, you know, they're trying to get him involved and give, give – uh, give him a guitar to lead praise and i guess like the uh lead singer said like okay like you're gonna get to um close like the songs you know that's like his shine right yeah. like the final songs and then they're praying and i guess right before yeah i don't know this guy did a this guy did a whack move too like the lead the lead praise guy's like no actually i'm gonna close even though he like you know made the offer or whatever goes up and uh he went up to uh you know lead the final two songs or whatever and he goes let's pray and when he went to let's pray, you just hear my boy Dave say everybody just was praying. And everybody would open their eyes. They heard the guy go. 
this guy straight up was choking him, dude. What? Choking him because he was like, you like, you know, you said I was gonna, you know, close this. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Everybody opened their eyes. Like, He's speaking in tongues. Oh shit! He's speaking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is taking over him. It's like no, he's being choked to death, dude. How fucking funny that people are crazy. The man. hypocrisy. It's like all the praise it, yeah. is supposed to be for God, yeah. but clearly it was for his ego. Yeah, and they just that's how lost their mind. Funny. And then I think that same le- praise leader, they formed a, a praise band. I'm butchering the story. Sorry, Dave. But they had a, a they called the praise band for fun, Double Dragon. Right? Mm-hmm. They had like two guitar, whatever. And then like there was another a dude that was weird, and I guess they were like praise band B or whatever, and they felt inferior and they all went out to, you know friday night bible so you go out to eat at like ihop or denny's whatever and they were just messing around going yeah we're double dragon you know and then all of a sudden the guy goes in front of everybody the youth pastor everybody he goes man fuck double dragon <laughs> oh my god dude. he goes you guys fucking like he was just all bad and everybody's like, <laughs> like yo do we just have bible study <laughs> dude, can I, tell you I think i told this on the podcast too and if you guys heard the story i'll tell it again so when I went to a uh, church in college, right, there was yeah. this uh, small Korean church that I, that I attended and I joined the praise team. Well, when you join a praise team, you have fellowship, you get yeah. to know everybody. I'm kind of the misfit, right? Because I was trying to get closer to Christ, but really I just didn't fucking like anybody. But I went there and I wanted to join praise. And I wanted to play music. And I remember <clears throat> there was a guy that I knew that went to college, uh, that went to uh, the college that I was attending to in Riverside. And then he also went to, um, he also was from my hometown and he transferred over here to this, to this school and said, Oh, let's attend this church together. So why we decided to join praise together. Well, we had to do a, a fellowship thing where we kind of tell our, our testimony, right? And everybody's telling the story. This is one of the things I hated about church. I hated doing the testimony shit because yeah. everybody would always over-exaggerate their shit. You would hear a violin playing and fucking <laughs> pedals falling on their I fucking I didn't exaggerate, head. but I, got, I always got emotional. Yeah, everybody kept crying. <laughs> and I'm like, you little pussy. Like, you would have thought I was such a bitch. Dude, I, I always, the, especially at the retreat. Oh, oh my God. God, dude. The, the last cry. night. The last night, I, I couldn't help it, man. I, was, I <gasps> never cried. Oh, man. I always cried. Because everybody would just yeah. tell their story and I'm yeah, like, yeah. This is not bad. <laughs> it's okay. It's like regular stuff. Like, once again, this is me yeah. being a very toxic young man. Yeah, yeah. But he started telling his testimony, right? And I know this guy. I know his whole history, his past. We've been friends for a very long time. And he starts telling about this time that uh, he tried to kill himself. So he sits here and he goes, uh, so the funny thing about this dude is that he grew up in the States, but went to Korea and the States back and forth multiple times. So he has a thick Korean accent, can't speak. Can't speak Korean at all. One of the worst things that could ever happen to you. So he, and I found this out when we went to go eat at a Korean restaurant. And I was like, hey, bro, can you just order the food for us? He's like, I can't do it. I'm like, bro, just order the food. He goes, I, I can't speak a Korean. And I'm like, bro, you speak Korean. Like, I can't speak it. Well, can you just order the food for us? Because I yeah, can't yeah. communicate with it. He goes, I can't do it. And I started pressing him. And everybody's like, yo, dude, he can't speak Korean. I'm like, he can fucking speak Korean. Look at his thick ass accent. <laughs> and then he's getting super embarrassed. And yeah, they're like, yeah, bro, yeah. like he kind of, he doesn't speak Korean. He's been, I was like, I felt so bad. Yeah, how does he not speak Korean? I don't know. And he can't speak English either. <laughs> That's such a funny character. Dog. 
It's the funniest thing ever. This guy is hilarious. Can't dude, speak English no, no, well. Can't speak. Please do a YouTube thing I saw on him, dude. Doc, That's the funniest character. Man, dude, you just wait for this story. Like I'm, I literally wrote a whole thing about this guy oh, because I want to do a whole series just about yeah. Korean culture. It's just so funny. Yeah. So there's this moment. <laughs> so we're we're having this pray this uh, this part where we basically do our testimonials, and he starts telling the story about how he tried to kill himself. And he goes, yeah, you know, uh, I tried to cure myself uh, after I graduated from high school. And I'm sitting here like, okay, I, I know this story, right? So he starts telling the story and he goes, <laughs> so I felt like I, he goes, the pastor asked, why did you try to kill yourself, right? Because he wants, you know, this open heartwarming feeling in this meeting. He goes, why did you try to kill yourself? He goes, <laughs> so I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And I jumped out of a second story house and I couldn't kill myself. And I went, and then everybody's looking at me and they go, why are you laughing? I was like, because it's ironic that the reason why you try to kill you is because you couldn't do anything right. And you couldn't even fucking kill yourself. <laughs> and then the pastor looks at me Dude. and starts crying, laughing. He starts oh, really? busting up laughing. <laughs> and so everybody, oh, so that let everybody laugh. Everybody starts laughing. Yeah, yeah, this fool yeah, has yeah. not talked to me since. Oh, shut up. It has been 12 years. Oh, come on. He, <laughs> so, he didn't know that. It was just, I mean, I, I was laughing because it was like, it was only the second story. I know. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Exactly. The second, people just break their legs all the time. So he tried <laughs> to kill himself by jumping out of the second story of his house, which is not tall enough. That's not tall enough. And he just broke his leg or his arm. And then... I, the funny thing is, wait. Too, so he didn't. He he still he took it personally. So he took it personally because he got. I got the pastor to laugh at him. So he was so embarrassed. But it's just it was so funny that this fool tried to kill himself because he couldn't do anything right. But he couldn't even kill himself. He couldn't even kill himself. How fucking funny is that? How can I not laugh? And so it's just the whole character of his fob accent. But then he doesn't speak Korean. Bro, th this this gets fucking worse. This story gets worse. So. He also wasn't completely truthful in why he was trying to kill himself too because he got his heart broken by this girl. You know, there's like that, always that one church girl that everybody is in love with that they yeah. want to marry. And this was his best friend. So when they graduated high school together, he thought it was his chance to go ahead and woo her mm -hmm. before he leaves to say what he finally wants to say. So on graduation day, he gets two hamsters. One he names after himself and one he names after her. A little creepy comes up and he goes hey like i've liked you my whole life i want to get together with you and i got you this parting gift. hamsters two hamsters right gets rejected he's devastated takes those two hamsters goes into his room doesn't leave his room for a whole week Shut up. right well in that whole week he forgot to feed his hamsters he died so check it out funniest thing ever god is the funniest teacher on earth literally what happened the hamster that he named after her ate his hamster the one that he named after himself no way. yes like the cannibals they're cannibals they're cannibalistic oh my god, the best dude. symbolism ever oh my god the hamster he named after the girl fucking ate him and he said the only thing that was left was one rib and i laughed in his face super fucking hard he keeps telling these stories as if it's this testimonial that we're all supposed to feel sad about and i can't stop laughing this dude is the saddest person i've ever met he still hasn't talked to me since He's mad. 
I'm pretty sure he's still mad. And now that I'm telling you on the podcast, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be just happy. Make it a, into a Netflix show and give him royalties. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> honestly, dude, that's crazy. The worst thing. His he's, luck is terrible. Well, it's also, well, it's not more than just luck. Like there's no ninchy, like, yeah. dude, you just say the way you present it too. He's like, gave it to hamsters. Like what girl's going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. Thank you for naming <laughs> this hamster after me. You fucking psychopath. Dude. Church people were, were always a, a, a little, little well. It's because also you 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 should out of God's love accept everyone, but you do you accept everyone. All the fucking yeah. gangpes that were there were always the funniest to me because they were just there for pussy. Yeah, so they just wanted to hook up with all the cute girls. Yeah, and, and that's why I like some of them that are cool, but some of them that were just not nice, but then just were like taking the girls away, and I was the praise. I'm like. Asshole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been working on her for a whole year. Oh my gosh. She was the transparency girl, but now she sits in the back. Yeah. Remember the girl that did that? Now she sits in the back. We she used to nod at me. <laughs> Next song. You guys don't know shit about those transparency papers. Transparencies, papers. man. The girls used to write the praise songs and mm-hmm. used to do the transparency. And then they would write the chords on the top. The chords on top. Yeah. Were you in praise team? Yeah, of course. As the you know, it's just pastor son. You always have to be involved. So that's hella funny. Yeah, dude. but I re- I remember I'm such a hypocrite because now we go to church just once in a while, and you know so you see those families just come once in a while, and I would praise, and I always just see those families come once in a while. I'm like, all right, yeah, I know they're just gonna come once in a while, but I'm like, that's us. <laughs> we go when we can. You stop going every week. Yeah. Well, after the whole the church, the you know yeah. the fight. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a break. That was the first time I used to go every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, my whole life, and then uh, went started going raving with my friends that left church, like grew up in church, but they were raving. And then I, you know, normal progression, people go into Kate's, they start smoking, drinking, shooting pool. Right, that's the norm. I went straight from like sober, like nothing, goody goody, virgin to ecstasy. Like every week. And I was like, this is what people do. I went, I went crazy. Dude, imagine that. And then I was wearing big baggy jeans. I was visor. My The first rave, I, my friends lost me. And when I was walking back to the car, they were on the ground. Because they're like, what the fuck happened to you? I had like bracelets and candy all over. I'm like, I just told everybody it was my first time. And they're like, everybody's your first time. That's like a whistle. funny. Did you have the pacifier too? Dude, uh, and then uh, I, I was a hardcore raver for years. And then I stopped going to church because I was just all about that for a while. And then and then I went backwards then, K-Town K- clubbing and then drinking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Backwards. Do you fucking still go to blue and shit? Uh, ever since Intercrew opened, I, I, I stopped. I miss Blue. That's like my my, my favorite place. Intercrew is a little too like big. I love Intercrew, but it's- Blue is always one of those spots. It's like either it's going to be a really chill night with a bunch of people there or some shit's going to happen. And sometimes there's some drama. <laughs> sometimes. One time, so I was going to go to Blue because a couple of my friends were, a couple of the homies were there. I'm like, I just like, I don't want to go because I don't know, something might happen. It's like, it looks like there's a lot of people there and usually some shit will happen, but Blue's a super dope spot. <laughs> and then I go in and then literally this young person comes up to me and he puts his hand on my chest. He goes, hey, David So, right? I'm like, yo, I'm a big fan. He goes, hey, hey, Hung, don't go in there right now. And I'm like, why? And he goes, just don't go in there. <laughs> and as I'm walking away, they start jumping somebody right oh, in front of Blue. Damn. And I'm like, I'm not coming here anymore. What the <laughs> like, hell? I'm going to go this way. I've never seen that. There's always I, some shit happening. I've definitely seen some gangster guys 
there. Yeah. Gangsters make my ass sweat, bro. But it, but the reason <laughs> <laughs> But the reason I love blue though is more like it's such a there's like business people and then the usuals and then there's you know we know all the bartenders and then I feel girl. like if you guys and go then, to K-Town Blue is like a staple. Blue is a, is like one of my favorite places in the world. I there's so many times I MC weddings and I don't want to go straight home because go straight to blue because I'm in a suit and I know if I go home my wife and kids are sleeping on Saturday night I know exactly what I'm gonna do I'm gonna get an In and Out burger we live next to In and Out and then I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna jerk off and go to sleep it's like <laughs> it's like and it's kind of lonely you know and then I know I'm like I need to go to I need to go to church tomorrow <laughs> <Take the wonder>. <laughs> so I'd rather go to blue at least I'm gonna have like you know human interaction the f- the f- funniest thing was like i remember when i started getting into like serious relationships and jack off time was and when you're single and you're alone is any time anywhere the fuck i want right and then you start sleeping in bed with somebody that's next to you yeah and then all of a sudden they have dreams about an ocean <laughs> they know why <laughs> it's because you were too tired last night yeah, yeah. so I, I had to relieve some stress and they're like what the fuck was there an earthquake last night i'm like yeah it was a 4.7 <laughs> it was crazy last night it was it was it was crazy i swear to god Yep. Now I'm at a point where now it's just, especially during the pandemic, uh, where you know my wife just she you know she knows what's going on. She understands. Yeah. She's just like just turn off the light before you come to the room. <laughs> she knows what I'm doing. My little man cave. Just don't. Sometimes you leave the light on. <laughs> Why is all the switches so sticky in the house? <laughs> At least clean it up. She's like lotion on the mouse. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's because also too, she's tired, man. She's just kind of like, just, you know, it's a mature way of like, I know. Do your, is, do your thing, you know. When did that change for you guys? Because how long have you guys been because together? Because when we had our third kid, it was like, she's exhausted, man. Like it's so exhausting. Just like. From one one to three, it's like so hard. Four and up is amazing. One to three, especially the first. Just watching them all the time. Just like in the middle of the night. You have to rotate. You, you take turns. But if, when it's your night, you're just on it. Like, okay, t- two, 2 a.m. You got to feed. You got to go down. And then you got to like, you know, rock them back to sleep. And sometimes it's 30 minutes to an hour. Of, it's 3 a.m. You're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it goes on for a year, dude. You're just exhausted. And you got to wake up and go to work. And so you're like. And then you don't. As a man, you can't breastfeed. That you gotta have the right. Nah, speak for technique. yourself, bro. <laughs> nah, speak for yourself. I've been, I've been okay. blessed with these for many years. My these bad. kids are gonna be confused. They're just latching. <laughs> nothing's gonna come out. Uh, yeah. So that's what all my friends say. Like when when they start having kids, it's like the, having sex is hard. Oh yeah. Like it's it has so, to be planned and scheduled and just it, to find these pockets. And it's not the uh, passionate. T- I have a new bit where I talk about like Donald Duck sex and you know it's such bullshit sex because like the, you know the kids are sleeping in the other room whatever or, or let's say sometimes you even you know you try it like let's say we had, we had a Vegas thing we had a suite and she's like are you crazy I'm like come on like but there's no physical intimacy you, you both have your shirts on <laughs> just in case but then just because you want more physical intimacy you both lift your shirts up just to press your <laughs> chest but then it's still it's still <laughs> It's still around your neck, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Because, you know, you want that, you know, shit. It's been a long time. I, like, I just want to touch him. <laughs> All right, let's go. That's fucking funny, it's dude. It's real. Yeah, Tammy will kill me if she ever knows, if I ever talked about this on a podcast. But it's real, man. I bet you so many married couples. Are- <laughs> like he's like, on a podcast, as it's still rolling and it's still recording. <laughs> yeah. Babe. Yeah. Hey, this that's you know, that's the yeah. thing too. It's like when I was talking to Mariel, she goes, 
you keep telling these personal stories is like that's my living yeah this is all i have yeah our funny life experiences that other people relate to as long as it's real they're going through the same thing yeah it's like, just comics talk about it openly yeah like like marital sex issues when you have three kids in the house people know about this stuff they just don't feel comfortable talking about it physical intimacy is so important in marriage and it's like you know it's not the most important thing but definitely when you are physically intimate regularly there's a piece in the house because things are going all right. You know, if, yeah, they, if they're yeah. not going all right, then usually it's not going to, there's not going to be. You Can know. you just send the kids with like harmony and Harabuji or somebody somewhere? No, because, you know, uh, my mom's in Korea. My dad passed and then her dad bounced some shoes young and then her mom's super tired and, uh, and still working, which we all feel bad about. So we're trying to have it. Oh, the options. So we, there, there's no, there's no options, man. And it's like, yeah, we just, it's hard. You know, that's why people started putting their kids in summer camp. <laughs> like probably, I, I didn't know that until uh, probably. like all my, all the white homies told me that like my parents put us in summer camp because they wanted to get rid of us for, so they could just be alone for just, like, just a, like a three pa- weeks party. Yeah. Just three mm-hmm. weeks. They would pay just so we could have fun. It teaches us all this other bullshit. All that stuff was bullshit. They just wanted to fuck. <laughs> they wanted us out the house and they wanted to fuck. Just have some uh, like adult time, alone time. See, see if you were still going to church regularly, fucking retreats. Ret- they would all be gone. Yeah. Well, that's we got to send them off to retreats. That's what you have to do. They got to send them to retreats so you could fucking reconnect <laughs> and just stop doing Donald Duck fucking and shit, dude. Donald Duck is the worst. That's hella funny. It's just functional. <laughs> it's no, it's not because you know she's already she's thinking too like you know what if and it's not this it's not it's like when Chris Rock talks about the jerk when someone else is in the room it's not it's not a safe jerk you're like who's there <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's it's different when no nobody's in the house it's it's so funny when when I was younger too like I talked about some podcasts too where when I was. Young, I don't think I would ever just openly admit this stuff, but after a while, your shame just starts to go away. You don't fucking care. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to get so horny and I would, I would work in my parents' store, right? Every now and then, a customer would come in and she'd be fine as fuck. It's like the worst thing that could ever happen because I'm at the store working the register with my parents. I just wait for them to look away. I, like, I got to use the bathroom. I had to go in and jack off just so I could do my job because I couldn't focus. So I would just try to do it as fast as possible. To- come outside and I would just go back to the register just all sweaty as fuck and it clears your brain and it clears my brain now I now I can like start calculating shit super fast I know the price of all the products but like I had to do it <laughs> <laughs> I was like ready man That's <laughs> I know like, it's crazy it's I've had times when I've had you know like my friends and they're like hey man my wife's taking the kids to her mom's let's go party this weekend and I can't because I we had family so I just have to like Jerk off real quick, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you go have fun, bro. Like, you go have fun with the guys. You know, I'm tired. Like, because it just clears your brain. That's the best thing to do. When I would do, when I would do uh, shows, right? And I was traveling, and I'm like, "Listen, I'm not trying to to fuck or hook up with anybody. Before I would go out to the after party, I would jack off in the hotel first, so my mind is clear. And then I would go and I would just have regular conversations with people. <laughs> How's your day? What are, what are your what are your life plans? Oh, I'm I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> my mind is all clear I'm not horny and I'm just having great conversation I would go back and it'd be perfectly fine it works but if I didn't do that it was a disaster yeah especially when you're younger hell yeah dude you're, when you're like all in- you're thinking about especially I, I lost my virginity late like at 20 and a lot of my friends all last at 16 so I but once I did I was just constantly thinking about oh damn like yeah I'm gonna fuck some girl like I was just like I, I, I remember it literally switched me because I, I didn't... Like, I, this is what this feels like? Yeah, because even my first girlfriend, we didn't have sex. 
like in high, my, oh, my, I don't know. Can I say what city you live in? You don't want me to say because I'm you sure. Say. Okay. Uh, Arcadia, you know, is uh, first girlfriend, Arcadia, my, my first car was a $900 Volkswagen Golf stick shift. The front bumper used to fall off. And in one of our first dates, I picked up, picked her up from Arcadia High School. Uh, the front bumper fell off. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. And she helped me put it back on and it started to rain. And I was like, just get back in the car. I got it. The it cream so- rain started coming out again. <laughs> <laughs> just get back in, you stupid bitch. I fucking love you. Let's fuck later. Fuck you. Like, what's going on, bro? What's with this guy's rage? <laughs> it just comes out the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go play board games later. You fucking cut. Dog, was hella abusive. <laughs> fucking Uno. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you gonna suck my dick or? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, that was uh, my Arcadia story. I wanted to tell you before I forget <laughs> for my first girlfriend, but we never because I was a church crazy. Oh, I you're felt really gui- good. I felt guilty, so we didn't we didn't have sex. So eventually, you know. Once I did, I was like, damn, dude. Like a guy, like his whole brain switches. I wish one of the things, I don't have a lot of regrets in my life. And in fact, I would damn near say I don't I have zero regrets. But one, maybe one thing I regret or I want to do, if I could go back in time and change, is I want to go back and then refuck all the girls that I had sex with in the beginning. Knowing you know I was, It was such trash penis. <laughs> I gave them the worst time of their life. I feel like I need to redo it. Cause, I agree. Because I didn't know what I was I, doing. I, mean, I totally agree. I had no I, I was just I was just so grateful that they would allow me to touch them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I just in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you're you I can see you naked? You know, I was so just amazed by it. <laughs> and then I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't realize like if once it was in, it just felt great for me. I didn't know what it felt like for them. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. nor did I care at the time because yeah. I was super young. Yeah. And then I remember I think it was probably the third person I ever hooked up with. And she gave me the worst hand job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and in my mind, I thought there's no such thing as a bad blowjob or hand job because I just want anybody to touch it. And, you know, if they touch it, you know, they're doing God's work. So <laughs> it's charity. So I remember when she gave me a hand job and it hurt so bad. I was thinking, oh my God, is this what those girls felt when I gave them? terrible sex in the beginning because i had no idea what i was doing because this girl talked up a big game as if she could give the best hand jobs ever and then she was trying to rip the foreskin off my penis i i will i forever remember it my if my dick was hard to be getting soft right now <laughs> it was the worst experience ever i think every guy uh yeah remembers their uh their best and their worst yeah they won't yeah you know what i'm saying like we all have that experience yeah. I gave a lot of bad penis and I'm so sorry. <laughs> and don't go around <laughs> telling people about that. I was really young. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Trash penis. I remember what one of my uh friends, he's a uh, young, older. Uh he got so many girls. I, we like don't ever do this game. We said like, let's say at the same time like how many girls you've been with in your life. His his was in the um triple digits and mine was so far below. <laughs> Then it, I fell to the ground laughing because I was like, yo. <laughs> did did he die from AIDS? Like, what the no. fuck? No, but I believe him. Yeah, I was like, damn, man. Yeah, it was in the hundreds and I was in the. That's, he's a sex addict, though. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. That's a lot, dude. Yeah. That's also a lot of work, too, to hook up with that many people. You have to work hard for that shit. Unless he was really good looking. Yeah, he is. See, I hate that shit. I, fucking, <laughs> I hate those people so much. Because you know, like you would have really good-looking friends, and then you would go to a bar, and 
it's time to do work. <laughs> they just walk in and then it's there. And, or they, they, they're the mysterious guy, the guy that doesn't talk. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like trying to make people laugh the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. I always say this. You have no idea how hard it is to giggle your way into a pussy. Yeah. It, is the, <laughs> it, is the, it is a crap. And guys use whatever they can because I remember one time I went clubbing with uh, Korean FX, you know, beatboxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I swear to God, we're all hanging out and I thought he was whispering to a girl but I straight I, I put my ear closed and he was like... <laughs> And I'm like, yo, bro. But he took her home. <laughs> Terry, you are such a fucking loser, bro. Hey, by the way, Terry, you've been MIA. I miss you, bro. Terry, if I see I you, I'm going to slap the shit out of you. The yeah. fact that you were beatboxing into a vagina is hilarious to me. Not just once. Many times. <laughs> this will, <laughs> I just picture this will give me the girl like eating out her pussy. Just, <laughs> just like, one, what the fuck is this? One time I asked Terry to come with me. He was, When Terry first moved to LA, he stayed with us, our fa- my family. And... Uh, you know, he was teaching my kid, you know, kids a beatbox. And then I would go to the comedy shows and then I, I, you know, I brought him with me. And then this one comedy show, I asked the guy, hey, can, can he beatbox at the beginning of the show? He beatboxed and like, there were these, uh, like hip hop girls that like they were, they've been in hip hop videos. Definitely like, you know, they're banging booty, body, everything. Right. And they were just so in love with Terry. Like they were just like, we'll give you our number and call it Hega. And I'm like, damn it. That's how you know, like, once a guy, whatever works, man, like once they, they go to a bar, they're going to they're gonna use, you know, so at least, you know. I just never seen any girl just look at somebody that beatbox and goes, you're coming home with me. <laughs> That's Terry. great. Terry, dude. Good on you, dude. Yeah. But Terry also looks like a K-pop kid, too. Yeah, no, and he sings. Yeah, he sings. He yeah. does all that stuff. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. No, he's been MI. I, I, yeah, Terry. Get back at us. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you, are you all right? He's like, all right. And then that's it. Well, as long as he's alive, that's yeah, good. For real. That's crazy. I didn't know you could beatbox to get women. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. It was like dancers. Like I remember dancers, they could get whoever the still, fuck they wanted. Yes. It still works. Yes. No, I I, th- I definitely think that's one of the reasons why. I mean, not, not the main reason, obviously. Like lower reason. But there used to be so many gangs when we were growing up. Like way more. Of course, there's economy more and family, all that. But also once the dancer guys started getting all the girls, I start, I noticeably saw a fade in like, all the gang <laughs> Yes. Because all those guys used to get so many girls. But then these guys came along, you know? Sup, bitch? <laughs> what you know about this? You know what it is? Yeah. I asked a couple of homegirls about this. It's like, why do you like dancers? It's like, they honestly, she, a few of them couldn't put their finger on it. But uh, when they finally came back with an answer, it was roughly the same thing. It's basically girls kind of equate. And I, I wonder if girls who are listening to this right now can agree that when they look at a guy dance, they, it looks like they could fuck really well. I've heard that. Many, I was just going to say that. I've heard a girl straight up say, I know the dancers are so good in bed. Because why wouldn't they be? Yeah, they move so well. Because well, then you would suck ass if in real life you do it. But in bed, you're like dead fish. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck <laughs> I don't are you know doing? what to do. That's why I just walk around doing this. Just like, show girls. <laughs> I was like you know what I'm good at, right? This, this, is, this is my thing. This is my thing. I swear to God. Like, this is right here. <laughs> just like two fingers just like this. Like if that's what you equate everything with, I stir the drink with just the two fingers. I had a guy yell out. I, I've been talking about this at the club. I, you know, I go, it's not about size, it's about surprise. And this guy yelled out, it's about the finger, bro. I'm like, no, it isn't, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like guys have been working out their hand, like, oh. But you, yeah, you got big hands. <laughs> you should just walk around. So the, I just, I just do a thumb, it's just a thumbs up, and I just go right in, dude. It's perfectly fine. That's not true at all. But yeah, guys, <laughs> dance, dancers would always get all the fucking girls. Yes. And it was that period of time. Dude, when uh, America's Best Dance Crew came yeah. out. 
And Asian guys dominated. Every dude wanted to learn how to dance. Yeah. And all these girls fucking... They, they inspired a whole other generation of dancers now. Like on Instagram, I see it too. Oh, but all the Asian dance crews, they crushed it. It's, it's, it was a, a very... Jabawaki's Kaba Modern, uh, Poriotics. I grew up with uh, Phil Tyag, the guy, the, <clears throat> one of the, the former leaders of Jabawaki's. So like he's from Sacramento. Grew up on the same block. So we're just watching like what he does. Blow up. It's amazing, man. Yeah. Like dance is such a powerful thing. I think like nowadays people understand the importance of art. Oh, yeah. Because before it was just a side thing. Like, oh, yeah. you do dance and you do stand-up comedy and music on the side. You don't really do it as a career, yeah. like full time. But now people are starting to really take the chance on themselves and go out there and say, let's see what fucking happens. Because yep. I think like the hard part for me too is oh, the, I just can't do something half-assed. Because if I do that, I'm always going to think about a, a what if, you know. I mean, your situation, you have kids and a family, so there's, you know, you, you have to balance. No, I, I, I definitely look back. If, I, if there's any regret, I, I have multiple. Uh, I, didn't, I, <laughs> I, I, I have many. I, yeah, I didn't uh, continue with piano. I rebelled against that. I stopped that. Uh, Korean school stopped that. I would have been so much more fluent. Um, but I think uh, with, with comedy, too, like when I first started to not half, I was like, I should have taken like a real deep dive. I was so like, like loving that I had uh, a group of friends that I loved. It was a group of guys and girls and a lot of them got married. But for me, because in high school, my uh, parents transferred me to, from Burbank High to Village Christian, which is a kindergarten through 12 private Christian school, all white. And I was a loner there for the, my sophomore year. And that just transformed me, traumatized me. I'm talking about like I ate lunch alone every day. Went to the library, just ate lunch alone. I tried. You made no friends? I tried in the beginning. I literally had this moment. Did you try beatboxing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I tried everything. Yeah. I remember this moment. I'm like, hey, man. I, I was talking to this one guy. And I'm like, oh, you going to lunch? And I go, can I go eat lunch with you guys? And they're like, oh, man. They weren't being mean about it. But they're like, oh, car's full, man. Sorry. And they drove off. And I I feel like an ABC after school special movie. I was all... Oh my but I remember, god! I remember. Uh, this is a big reason I'm a Clipper fan. Once I got my car, this piece of shit car, I I went to Clipper games alone, the LA Sports Arena. Is it because you related to how much they were losing? Yes, and this loser team where you could get an eight dollar ticket and go all the way down. They would win like twelve games a year. They were the worst. By I'm the like, way, you're like the only true Clipper fan I know. No, there I know many, but I don't but know thank many. You. Yeah, I, like you're the only one I know that I've literally seen this dude post about the Clippers since I first met him. <laughs> It's kind of crazy. From the 90s, man. Because yeah. from then, at that moment, I'm like, man, one day they're going to win. They choke all the time. So much pain. This is, you have a, curse. a little bit better. A little bit better. There's a curse. A little bit better every year, though. But that's why, uh, you know, I, I just I just remember that period in my life, it was uh, traumatizing. Like, uh, most people that have never experienced eating lunch alone at school will never understand that kind of pain. And so that helped me in life to like when I led like collaboration meetings or whenever other meetings, like anytime someone was new or alone, just immediately introduce them to someone or I would talk to them because they're never going to come back unless they feel like connected or someone loves them or at least is interested. That's all I was thinking was like, I was like, uh. Forrest Gump, you know, when he was like walking on the bus and he was like, seats taken, seats taken, seats mm-hmm. taken. I was just hoping just for one person. I never really got 
made any friends at that school. I, I became close to some people. I played volleyball. But that experience changed me forever. Anytime someone's alone, it like, it like makes me feel really bad. Because mm. I know how that feels like. In a public setting. Not like just randomly walking. But in like a group. A meeting or something. I know they're thinking like, man, dude, I feel so alone here right now. And I feel like everybody else knows someone. But I feel al- like it's painful. Man. So when did you find your group of friends? Not at not at school. I just like hung out with a few pe- people because I made the volleyball team, and then I, you know, whatever. But uh, uh, my friends were at church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church split, and then some of my friends started partying, and then I was like, "I'm gonna try. I'm gonna start partying." But I, I did not know, think that I was gonna get so deep into it. I just, I, I did ecstasy, and that just, yeah. <laughs> That's all I was thinking about. Like even my first job was like I was doing customer service and I was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Monday through Friday and then we'd go every weekend for years. So did you is is that whole thing where you got caught up and you never really fully part of the reason why I I I half asked. Yeah, for sure. I I, I definitely uh got caught up in that. But at the same time, it's like I was I loved I don't regret that like I it was like I felt so much love from that group. Yeah. I loved them so much. And looking back, it was like my 20s were like the best time of my life. And then I started collaboration too. And I was really involved with the community. So I don't regret that. Uh, and then I have kids too. But it looked for when I see younger people starting, I'm like, dude, yeah, don't half ass, man. Like jump all in. Like you, like Far East Movement. James was going to law school with my wife, Tammy. And when he left Loyola Law School, Tammy was like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm, I, I, you know, going to do this music group. And she, Tammy was like, you're crazy. And then popping bottles at the yeah. club. It was like, number one. I was like, yo. It wasn't like, hey, we're trying. Number one. That's crazy. Crazy. And so it's like, James proved to me too. Like, yeah. Um, don't You can't half-ass. The, the hard thing though is, not everybody is as talented or skilled or can make a living. So uh, at some point, life is the reality is going to hit them like, hey, you know, you can still pursue your passion, but not everybody's, it's not meant to be everybody's at the same level, you know? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's like just never giving up. Yeah. Do you… So when you say not everybody's at the same level, are you referring to yourself or are you referring to other people? Of course me, but also not everybody. Like, for example, like I've seen Dave Chappelle perform live, like just freestyle off the top of his head for 30 minutes at Laugh Factory. And I need to write material for like a year to do that. Like literally like try it, you know? Well, Dave Chappelle's a one of a kind. No, but then there's no other. There's a whole other level. I, I, I like Joe Coy. You know, I've seen him. And so, uh, but all respect to him, he grinded every night with laser focus. Like he's someone that never half-assed. So I, I think about that. Like if I um, were to ever do that, how f- I know I could have been much further, but I also know that I might not have my family. Like I, yeah, I might have been on the you, road. I know myself, I would have been partying party my ass off. You would have to give up a lot. I know I, I know myself. I, might, I I probably would be partying my ass off, chasing at. Just, I, I would not have, I wouldn't have my family. And it's so humbling. I have this day job. We work our ass off. My wife works. We get by and we have this 
tight family, especially during the pandemic. It was crazy, but our kids were like, for them, it was like the greatest time ever. Mom and dad were home all the time and we were just playing board games. I wasn't getting mad. (laughs) (laughs) Did you beat their ass? (laughs) You (laughs) cheated! It's like, dude, fucking dad, go to work already. Get the fuck out of here. Pursue your dreams. Get on the road. Get the fuck out of here, man. These other people deal with your jokes all day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, that's, that's really true though. Cause I was, you know, I had this conversation uh, with my fiance too. And I told her, like, I don't want to be absent when I have kids. That's the hard part. Right. Um, no matter what, I, a lot of people say this too, like uh, all these other celebrities do it. You guys don't know how much they work and how much they're on the road. Yeah. These Instagram photos shows that they're, oh, they're always around. They're not around. They're not. They come in, they're omnipresent. Not, I'm not saying they're bad parents, but this is what they do. Their job always is in front of their family. That's just how it is. And um, it's not a judgment on on their parental skills or whatever, but they made that choice, but they also wanted to have a family and they compensate with them being away with money. Um, to yeah. me, I can't do that. I want to be with my kids. My parents weren't allowed to be around me most of the time. And then when we did spend time together, it's because I was working at the store with them, but we weren't having fun. They weren't asking me how I felt. They weren't asking me any of that stuff. We were all just trying to get by 24-7. Exactly. And they did the best that they could. They yeah. took us to Yosemite, Disneyland, or whatever, uh, however much they can, you know, with the limited amount of money that we had. But that type of struggle in that relationship, I just don't want that with my with my kids. Totally. Because I want to be able to talk to them and communicate with them, ask them how they feel. They feel like they don't have to hide things from me. But when you, when you are around seldom and, and far between, how do you really develop that relationship? There's no shortcut to that yeah. at all. There and isn't. I, they you know, I, they yeah. can sense it too. If like yeah. all of a sudden you're like, come on, what's going on with your friend? Why don't you open up to me? The, you can't force it. It just has to be, they trust you over time. Yeah. Yeah. For growing up together. And you know, like Chong, mm-hmm. a Korean, like just, it only comes that connection over spending time with each other and in a positive way, not yelling, you know, <laughs> Dude, I, I, I literally, if I have a boy, I can't wait till I catch him jacking off. <laughs> I can't. Uh, that's hilarious. I was gonna look at him. I was like, "Hey, you do your own laundry now." <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, wait. I was like, everything is so stiff in this house. You that's fucking hilarious. piece of shit. It's <laughs> all that. Like, does this too all the time, but uh, you just too much. All right, fucking you know, take reps, relax. Even when we work out, we got to ease up a little <laughs> bit. All right. I can't wait. I think being a parent's gonna be fun. You remember, uh, I remember I saw on YouTube that Stephen Young was on a uh, Conan, and he did he had like some like like sex love love making scene with uh, a girl on Walking Dead, and then uh, he he told Conan uh, his dad just left him a message, and he goes, "Oh Stephen, you man now," and he just hung up. <laughs> He saw that scene, Korean dad. That's a, a, that's the that's the you, thing. Him you, having fake sex. You men now. You men now. That's you. <laughs> when I look back at like all, all this like funny shit, I mean, to, to us, I guess like people would think it's very traumatizing as a kid, but having a weird family allowed me to do what I do now because I've been able to like compartmentalize all this weird shit and trauma that happened, and I've been able to make comedy jokes out of it because of just how ridiculous it is yeah you know like i I, even that's why i always say too when people try to bring a certain amount of morality into comedy it's like how do you do that because you are laughing at my pain and the only reason why you think it's acceptable is because i allow you to laugh at it 
Yeah. Right. So when people go, oh, you can't make fun of this. It's like, that's funny because I literally just told a story where my dad nearly beat me to death and then you were cracking the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. So where's your moral barometer here? Like, you know, I hear you. I, for the most part, I think 99%. But, uh, uh, for example, uh, the Tony Hinchcliffe thing, you know, like give it up for this filthy little chink. Next, there is something where you're like, hey, man, I don't know. There's a, there's a line. Everybody has lines different. Oh, I, I'm saying Everybody's like, lines different, but there are moments when you're like, because then, you know, I saw the comments like, who are you to judge or whatever? I'm like, yo, man, that's offensive, man. Come well, on. Well, for me, it's like this. It's like, do that, but it just has to be funny. His thing wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. So that's why it was so stupid. It's like, what's, what's the, no where's the joke? joke? You know, I think the thing I didn't like, I actually disliked the Asian guy more than I disliked Tony, though, because... He did something that makes us look like the stereotype that people think that we are. Which is what? like, Which is cowards. He chose to record it like a little fucking bitch. Sit there. Did he record it or no? I think he recorded it. No, he was on stage. Okay, Someone well, else he, recorded it. Yeah. Somebody else. He took that and he goes, oh, happy AAPI month. He didn't come up and say to Tony, like, yo, he bro. Sh- he pro- I know I know Peng. I don't yeah. really – I don't know him w- uh, too well. But I, I got to take his side on this one. Uh, he uh, – he said Tony came with his bodyguard, acted all friendly to him and everything. And he had opened for Tony, I think, before. Like, this wasn't his first time. Yeah. Um, he, you're, I think you're right. I, I would have gone up to him man-to-man, face-to-face first and talk it out. I don't know. Maybe they – I don't know. I don't know that backstory. Uh, and then – Yeah, I don't know that backstory either. But yeah. I, I feel like for me, I, I'm always having to battle this this line of like, I dislike it when people don't confront somebody first, first and they go to the internet first. True. It's like, if you went, he might have done this. So I might be out yeah, of I, don't know. I might be super out of I pocket right now. Yeah. So apologies, right? But if that didn't happen, which is true, I don't know this whole story. But once again, like you said, if they've been on the road together, right? He's opened up for him. That means there was a relationship there somehow, whether it was super cordial or not. The first thing I wouldn't do is go up and do that. Post this video. What does that do? Right, so you cancel. You're never gonna cancel Tony. Tony's gonna still do comedy no matter he what. He gained more followers after he, this. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't do anything. You actually made it worse because people. The, that's the thing about like representation too. We're not trying to tell, show other Asian people that Asian people are cool. We already fucking know. We're trying to get these other people who don't know our culture, don't know, have these really bad misconceptions of who we are, that we're not that. He did something that made people dislike Asian people more, the people who already disliked us. I'm not telling us to go beg for their attention or whatever, but one of the biggest things that Asian men are weak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What does that do? If he put up a video of him coming up to Tony and being like, hey, bro, what you did, you don't have to like my set or whatever comedy. Just don't call me a chink. True. We'll, we'll draw the line there. Yeah. That would have been a little more effective. Once True. again, this is how I would have dealt with it, you're, so I'm not him. You're, yo, you're right. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think I would have done it that way too. You are also more physically intimidating than than Peng. He Tony would come bring a bodyguard. I've never heard of a comedian bringing a bodyguard. Too. I'll talk to the fucking bodyguard too. No, what I'm saying is fuck. like that acts that adds a weird level of like intimidation. Let's say to Peng, like. You know, yeah. Once again, like, like I'm only get, saying it through the, my chink. lens. He's getting called chink in Texas. Everybody's laughing, and he probably feels, oh shit. And like Tony's a big comedian. I can't even. And he has a bodyguard. Like I've never heard of that. Like, yeah, you're coming with your physical entourage. Uh, so I agree with you. you Should have talked to him. 
and and maybe film that like that should have been the video i think that would have that been, been the, the shit because yeah, then everybody right. would have respected him they would have said like, like joe rogan did with the call this mencia exactly yeah, yeah. he doesn't even have to do that like i'm just saying i i would have once again i'm being presumptuous because i'm seeing it through my eyes yeah and once again this is like through the filter of somebody who has dealt with that before and how i dealt with it i felt the work better because the the aftermath of tony getting more followers from that is the exact opposite of what he wanted or what what he thought he was going to do because his following got bigger and stronger and it made people i don't do know if he opposite. was trying to cancel tony though yeah i well, think he's just trying to put it out there like hey this is but that's up, him man. trying to cancel him though that's what that is it's him tattletaling and well, when you and i think when you do that in comedy it becomes problematic right because I think comics should be able to go up and then show your skill up on stage and then fucking do it the other way. Yeah. But also problematically speaking too, it's hard for him. I understand because Tony is such a bigger comic. Yeah. You know, so he ha- his weight is a lot bigger. But for me, I always think about if you're going to put a video out there, what is the objective? Yeah. Right. His objective was that he was trying to not maybe cancel him, but it was to get give him heat. It was like, okay, I got to make this guy look bad because he hurt my feelings or he said something very offensive cool maybe maybe it could be a cry for help too then that's still pussy shit i'm sorry i don't need that shit like, like you don't need a you don't need a cry for help for that type of stuff maybe he doesn't feel like he, he can go to anybody for what because he, he doesn't have to go to anybody is what i'm saying no, but if, if you were in an area where there weren't that many asians and they called he's, you he's not going to every other everybody else pk he's just going to him the guy that he's open for multiple times no no, no, no. i'm saying i'm saying maybe the reason why he uploaded it because he was just like I don't know what else to do. Like this is you go up and talk to him. She should. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I'm like I said, I don't know him personally. But have you seen what Tony's doing now on his Instagram? He has this other Korean comedian, and uh, he has him come up and make out with all the white girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, he put on his um, underneath the picture, uh, "This could have been you, but you wanted to play." It was definitely a A little little shot shot at at Peng, like you know, don't mess with me. And I'm like. What a douchebag, man. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, I'm not defending him at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just talking about... As the, a comic. As a comic. Not even just as a as comic. A person. As, as a person. As, like, optics, right? I don't like tattletaling. Yeah. Maybe it's just because of how I grew up. Yeah. Like, when people... people Because people gave me shit about this opinion. They go, oh, what's he supposed to do? Beat him up? Who said anything about fighting? We're not talking about fighting. We're not talking about aggressive. Yeah. Aggression. None of that shit. I'm saying, if you had a problem with him... Not as a as a human to human, yeah. go up to him and say, "Don't say racist shit like that." You don't have to like my set, any of that stuff. Just don't use that word chink because it's offensive to me. Yeah, you do that. That's the bare minimum you can do. Yeah. After he tells you to fuck off, now throw him to the fucking wolves. Yeah, because now that mutual respect isn't there. Yeah, because once again, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt and also him too, right? I like I said to me, that's how I would have dealt no, with it. I agree. When I say the word "bitch" or whatever, that's just how I communicate. Yeah. I don't feel any way about this guy at all. I don't. I don't really know him. Yeah. It's just when I saw the the aftermath of what happened, it wasn't the result I think he wanted because he got support from the I Asian. Know, I don't know if he's thinking about. Maybe he wasn't even thinking about. He had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, I mean, listen. I think you're being really nice right now when people paint things put out in social media they know what they're doing unless he's a fucking dumbass no i mean i don't, I, I, I don't I, think he's a dumbass i think he knows what he's doing on social media you think he, he knew it was gonna go that big not big but he knew they was gonna get attention yeah nobody does stuff on social media because they don't want attention true do you know what i'm saying yeah. now we're just being naive here yeah let's be honest yeah he did it because he knew it was gonna garner attention maybe not as big as he thought it was yeah but there was an objective on it he knows this whether he did it you know subconsciously or not 
when you put things out on social media, especially something that's heated during AAPI month, there's an objective to it. Whether you verbally say it or not, whether you have this whole mastermind plan. I I agree with you. He should have went to Tony. But other than that, you don't think it was good that it was exposed? No, because it didn't do anything. It it definitely exposed some people. I saw a lot of comics that were taking his side saying, I didn't know chink was a bad word. I was like, shut the fuck up, man. But what happened to them? Nothing. What do you mean? Like, did they get canceled? Do they stop booking shows? No, I mean, it's it's not the goal to get canceled, but it definitely, all the comics that saw those comics say that are like, oh, okay. Like, true colors have come out. Even during the whole Trump thing, true colors have come out everywhere. True colors, but what I'm saying is like, that's just how you feel about it. What I'm talking about is what does it do at the end? Yeah. Do they change their mind about something? Do they sink their teeth in deeper about how they feel about us? That's where it becomes, because there's no conversation. There was a conversation because a lot of people said, well, what if he said- No, the, the conversation ad- with them, not with him. See, once again, you and I are differing on two things. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a conversation amongst other Asian people. No, no, no. So it, I'm talking about, he didn't, if he had a conversation with him- Tony. Right? Yeah. How different is that? That would have been, been the the best thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. We keep trying to do this stuff and change optics and make bolster our Asian community- Asians know don't say that word. Yeah. Right? All those comics too, they know they're not supposed to say it. No. But if you do it in, a, in an approach where they feel like, oh, if this is for comedy, I'm telling people that you can have individual conversations that will exact change way bigger. When you do that, it just makes things more divisive. No. That's how I feel. You see what I'm saying? It definitely was not done right. But uh, I do know some comedians that left Tony Hinchcliffe because of that. And they were like, they apologized to Peng, big comedians. They were like, hey, sorry, that came out. And it exposed a lot of things about um, how would he ever say that introducing a black comedian with an N-word? Never. Depending on the relationship. You think Tony would do that? Um, Lucy K and Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, Lucy so, K has said the N-word, but would, would Tony but, ever but intru- introduce black comedian and use and call him the filthy little n-word probably not but also think too the reason why i also disagree with this we also have to stop doing would you do this to a black person no, I Asian person I, I don't like comparing I, like racial plight with other racial plight so in that example i'll give you one yeah patrice o'neill yeah and louis ck right depending on their relationship yeah so I'm not saying that comedy has no holds barred. There's definitely lines, you know, talking about somebody's family and race yeah. and stuff like that. I draw that line too. Yeah. Right. So when we, because I heard that example too, would he do that with somebody who's black? And I used to say that uh, a lot too. But then I had to also realize on the other end, it's now we're using like this 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 race baiting tactic of would you would you would you, and it doesn't really create conversation either. So now my tactic with like dealing with these situations is yeah. always end goal. What is the end goal here? Right. Yeah. When we do these type of videos, right, and when we, we say these things, are we trying to help the perspective of the Asian person who already supports Asian people or are we trying to have a conversation with somebody? It's like – so Joe Rogan interviewed this guy who is a black American that has conversations with people who are in the KKK and gets them out of the KKK. He doesn't go to social media. He doesn't go around saying like, fuck, these people are terrible people. Yeah, yeah. What he does – he sits down and he has a conversation, conversation with them. Yeah. And it changes the behavior because you could do it one-on-one. Yeah. I feel that when we do this as social media people and we keep blasting people 24-7, which I'm also guilty of, yeah. I wasn't creating great conversation. I wasn't doing it with individual people. 
every conversation that I had with an individual person that had a very fucked up perception on race relations, I, I influenced just a little bit. I did it over pandemic, specifically during the BLM thing. I had conversations with Asian Americans, a lot of Asian Americans who didn't understand why blackface was wrong. And these are people who are in my personal circle. If I put them, recorded them saying what they were doing here and I walked away, they would have walked away hating me and feeling the same way. Yeah. We keep doing this cowardice shit where we, we go to the internet to defend us because we feel helpless. You are powerful enough to have that conversation with somebody else. No, 100%, yeah. especially in the comedy world. Yes, that's but there's all also that we live in a world where if there wasn't a guy that filmed what the cop did to George Floyd, in broad daylight, if they weren't filming it, nobody would ever know that even, it, it wouldn't have changed the world. Of course. There was I, someone there filming Peng and and Tony and gave him the video and edited it. I don't know if Peng did it or whatever, and he did the happy API day or whatever, right? And it was, yeah, it was probably snarky. Should have talked to Tony. But what I get it. But one part of me is like, all right, it definitely exposed some things. Like, you know, it, it definitely exposed the way how easily shitted on Asian Asian people are, you know, it's just they just people just shit on us like it's nothing, you know, and and we're so quiet, except for you. You speak up for us all the time, not for us, but you speak like just whatever truth is in your heart, and it's like it's refreshing because also too, I think my perspective is. I mean, this is a, it's, it's, Tony saying this at a time when Asian grandmas and grandpas are getting punched in the face, stabbed, killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's just calling filthy little chink. I'm like, like, come on, man. Like, I, I like I said, I, I do understand that too, but I also have to look at like, like I said, it's not even like a defense of comedy. I think I just dislike the approach, right? Yeah. Like, I just feel like, like I said, I'm always talking about the end goal. So if the end goal is for us to make sure that people don't fuck with us, then I don't think that was the way to do it because it just, what I saw the aftermath was people sunk their teeth in deeper and it did the opposite of what we thought it was going to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a couple of comics don't fuck with Tony. Well, guess what? His following grew. Yeah. That's not what we wanted. Yeah. But imagine what would have happened if, who knows, he might've been a fucking asshole, but then he would have been dealt with either way. If it was like, Hey, I talked to Tony and I asked him not to use that word. He said, fuck you. I'm gonna use it anyways. Then watch how different his fan base would have taken it. It would have been different. Yeah. It's like, wait, hold on. This guy who's a, a, a fellow comic said, hey, everything's good. Just be careful with that word. Yeah. And he said, fuck you. Now there's change because it takes his credibility away. Yeah. So when we get caught up in these emotions and we go and we start tattletelling and we do the video thing yeah. in that type of say, we're, you know, we make the George Floyd comparison. Somebody was dying yeah. at that point. This is police brutality. Versus no, I'm just giving scene. an example of like, yeah, I, cameras are everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But, yeah. we, you know, I think situationally speaking in this, once again, I apologize. I don't mean to call him a bitch and a pussy or whatever. I just get heated. These are the words I use. I'm pretty sure he's a perfectly fine guy. I just. Once again, for you, me, you, I used to cry at retreats. You would have, you would have thought I was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just say it all the time. Like once again, you know, Peng, I apologize. I don't, I don't mean anything by it. I just get heated because of what I saw happened afterwards. No, I'm with you. It was just, it, it just got worse. And I saw people continue to sink that teeth. And I just wished his approach would have been more of, maybe he did do this. But like don't said, you think some of those people that he gained, the two, he went from 200 to 209,000, those 9,000, most of them were like Trump supporters that are like, yeah. But those people can change too. True. They can. True. They just need to sit. Watch you sit down and have a civil conversation with somebody. People. I agree. People do not give people the chance to change. No, I agree. They don't 
allow it through conversation. Individual conversation is so fucking important. important. Yeah. I had a conversation with the girl about why her doing back blackface was wrong and she didn't understand. Didn't get mad. Didn't yell at her. I didn't record the conversation. I didn't put her on blast. I didn't do any of that stuff. I sat there two hours and I said, and I broke it down to her. And what she was equating it to was, listen, when I dressed up as this black celebrity, I'm just dressing up as a celebrity. Yeah. Right. I was like, okay, cool. But when you do that, you're being dismissive of this country's culture and history. Right. Like, let's say, for example, like this, right. Somebody saw um, a Korean comfort woman in in a film about the Korean War. They dressed up as a comfort woman. You feel the same way about that? You're okay with that because, oh, it, it's just a part of the movie. But what they're doing is they're being dismissive of your of the history that happened in Korea. Would you be okay, yes or no? She goes, I probably wouldn't be okay. I was like, cool. Now, let's do this. What's a really good popular film? I, and I mentioned uh, Kill Bill. And she goes, cool. You okay with somebody who's not Asian dressing up as Lucy Liu? They go, 100% fine. Cool. Now they tape their eyes back. You okay? She goes, probably not. Well, now look at what you're doing. Same thing. Well, was she Asian or black? She was Korean. White? Oh, Korean. Oh, she was Korean. Korean. She didn't understand. But once again, she didn't grow up here. So if I had done the opposite and I put her on blast on my huge platform, how terrible would that have made that conversation? She would have either hated herself, yeah, she would have yeah. hated me, and there would have been no conversation. And she would have continued feeling the same way that she felt. Yeah. Now, because I decided Just to- how you put the guy uh, on blast who jumped out of the second floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He hates you, dude. Yeah, I didn't do a good job with that. You know what I mean? So when I, when I look at that, and also too, because he's a comic, he has the gift of gab. Yeah. He has the gift of conversation. And when you don't use those weapons and to disarm somebody who's like on the same level as you, I don't think Tony Hinchcliffe is anything above him else, above, above him. So you got, you opened for him multiple times. There was a way for you to talk to him. You're right. He, he, I don't, I, I'm not sure. He might, uh, have immigrated to America. Mm. He's in Texas. Uh, and he gave a he looked up to Tony. He gave a heartfelt, give it up for Tony Hinchcliffe. I've been there before, like wide-eyed host, mm-hmm. just thankful to be. And then the guy, straight up racial slur. Like it's like it, it's like. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm not defending him at like, all. That shit was fucking whack and trash as hell. F- Fuck, you know, yeah. and, and I think the context, funny. yeah, and the context was that was that he didn't, because I, I talked to a couple people on Twitter about why that happened, and they were at the show, and so when I talked to the people at the show, they said that Tony Hinchcliffe was making fun of Peng because he was doing hacky Asian jokes, so he was making fun of his set, like, oh, look at me, I'm Asian, the only way I can make people laugh is doing these hacky Asian jokes that aren't creative, that's what that joke was. So because he was doing those that comedy set, and I verify that that's with, fine. With but three it, conversations, it could have been done without saying give this well, filthy, dirty little chink. Exactly, but that's what I agree with. Yeah, you know. But I think a lot of people too were just thinking that he just came up and started ripping him, which the, his approach wasn't funny at all. That's why even like comics around are still making fun of him. Like Louis Gomez is his friend. He fucking roasted him on a set. Because of how stupid his approach was. Nobody agrees with the approach. Yeah. Right? Nobody even agrees with the worst, the usage of the word chink. In no way in that mouth would that no, have I've ever seen been some funny. comics say they never knew it was a bad word. Yeah. Well, Online. They're fun- yeah, and I mean, I'm like, come on, man. Well, <laughs> relax. We'll, we'll, I'll have a conversation with them and I'll be like, you're being fucking stupid right, right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, so because you know we live in the 21st century. You fucking knew. Yeah, and if you're yeah. saying you didn't, you're just you're you're being ridiculous. Yeah, like, exactly. You, you knew. So in that case, like I said, the reason why I just 
I just saw the aftermath and the conversations. I just I didn't you. understand the purpose. No, I hear you. So it's a good I, lesson learned. At it, thinking about future, I'm sure there's stuff like that's going to happen all the time. You know, but yeah. Peng, Peng did reach out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I'm like, yeah, man. When you're in LA, I got this Asian show. Come on, and we had a, we had to talk about it. I mean, all through message, I felt him. I felt his pain, man. And uh, he definitely is like, it's not even David and Goliath. It's like. Did you feel intimidated by him? Is that why? I definitely think that was part of it. And I, I definitely think that physical stature has to do uh, in that type of setting, you know, with how, how he probably acted. And, uh, but yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. So he, he, he should that, talk to him face to face. He needed that emotional backing because he felelt he wasn't strong enough to do it himself. Because I, like, I can understand that. And I don't once know. again, too, I'm seeing it through my lens. Like, I've, I don't know. I look at all the shows now and it's like paying and four black comedians and it's like paying and four black comedians. Every show I'm like, yeah. I feel like they're the only ones like who got his back. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the, maybe that's just, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just, it made me feel like he definitely should have gone up to him, but I, yeah, but I a just, part of me is like just being real. I was like, man, I've always thought Tony's amazing comedian, roast comedian. Yeah. One of the best. But then when you're saying like the moral part of it is like, that was one of the first times I felt like, yo, dude, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? Yeah. Man? I mean, no, nobody ever looked at that and said, oh, Tony, this is fucking amazing, right? And I think when I first did, talked about this on the podcast, because my word, word usage is, is really intense and very whatever, like it felt like I was siding on Tony, you know? I was just upset about, like I said, the, what, the aftermath of what happened. Yeah. It, it didn't there was nothing that was accomplished maybe in his sense he got more notoriety from it whatever well and everybody then, was accusing him of just trying to get more shine if that's the case he failed i mean i'm just talking about numbers he's at like 2000 yeah i don't think he was trying to get more shine i think just he just he try, wanted trying to, to get more clout or whatever he wanted to bring down a bully you know and, yeah and i think that's what his objective was yeah and, I and just, you're right that tactic has shown not to work this yeah. is also like a personal flaw of mine too because i used to get bullied a lot and that tactic never fucking worked. Stat most bullies, when you stand up to them, they ain't gonna say shit. Yeah. They know what they fucked up. They know they're not doing something right. They'll start stuttering. They'll they'll laugh about it or whatever. But if he did that, and then once again, when you show like personal solidarity, when you show your own strength, and if you were recorded that, it would have just it would have made way True. more sense. I agree. It, Especially it, because he knew him. Because he knew him. And I think that's there's just a lot of like working stuff that's happening here that doesn't put Peng in a good light here in the comedy community because people are calling him a snitch now, saying, Oh, you're not gonna let people work material, all this other stuff, right? The comedy community is so different. Yeah. Um, and I think if people haven't done stand-up, it's it's hard for them to kind of understand that, right? Yeah. Because there's so much fucked up things that are said in the comedy room in that the you can room. never say anywhere else. You can never say anywhere else because people are going to work these jokes, and by the time it hits the stage, it's completely different. Totally. But they're going to go balls to the wall first, and yeah. then see after. Yeah. Once again, not defending Tony Hinchcliffe shit. Like I said, I said on the previous podcast, if he said that shit, I would have walked him. Bodyguards are fucking not. They could have whooped my fucking ass, but I would say what I want to say to you. It's like, but there's that thing that happens with comics is like, oh, do we have to worry about somebody recording our shit that's a fellow comic and then putting it out there for us to get crucified? Yeah. So he, I, for me, it's like, then, I mean, part of it is, mm -hmm. then just don't say that shit, you know? Yeah. Part of, part of it is like, don't say racial slurs. Like, yeah, 100%. You know? But then, uh, yeah, you should talk to the person directly. Yeah. yeah. And once again, 
through my lens, what I would have done. I am not him. Um, and it's easier for me to judge on the outside if I was in that situation, what, what I would, I would have done. Yeah. I, I could pretty confidently say I wouldn't I'm, have done that. <laughs> I, I'm hundred percent confident you would have yeah, yeah. confronted Tony. I think I would have too, especially if I'm, if I'm opening for him and I'm excited and he just does that. I'm like that word chink. It stirs something in me. You know what I mean? It, like it, 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 it stirs anger immediately. So if somebody calls me a chink, I probably would have walked up on stage, grabbed that fucking mic, and I say, say that shit to my face. Because yeah. that shit's like N-word with a hard R to me. So I understand the emotions. Yeah. But once again, we're all, I'm, I'm just thinking about objective. Yeah. I go, okay, what am I going to do here? Yeah. Am I going to – how can I – maybe it's because I've been through this situation so much now that I'm kind of versed, well-versed in it. Yeah. I know about what, what it does. I know that sitting here as a comic, having taken a recording of somebody else and putting out there, it's just not going to do him justice and it's not going to make any, anybody change their mind. Yeah. And it's hard because I think people just I get, so, get so sick of getting bullied, getting sick of having these racial shit thrown at them all, all the time that they just want somebody to just support them and then back them up. Yeah. But, but that's not the way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's just not the way yeah. to do it. It just doesn't change anybody. I, I did that multiple times and it did fucking all hell nothing, dude. And- uh, a lot of my friends are seeing that now. They go, oh, you approach things a lot differently. I was like, because I've been able to affect more change just by having a conversation yeah. without screaming, without yelling. And I can do that for comedy purposes. Yeah. I can do that to make my community feel good. But when we talk in person, I'm not going to scream at you. I'm not going to yell at you. You and I are just going to talk just like the way we are talking right yeah. now. And like I said, I'm a six foot guy. I've been bullied. I lived in like terrible neighborhoods. I've dealt with all this shit, gang piss shit, gangster shit. So obviously with him, like you said, I didn't know he was an immigrant. That sounded like a weird humble brag. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a six foot guy. I've been bullied. I'm like, what the my, fuck's wrong my, with you? Why are you bullied? <laughs> well, because guns don't mean shit oh, when you're oh, that oh, big. Oh, okay. Got <laughs> you know it. I, mean? got I used to get punked and bullied all the fucking time as a kid. So I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to have somebody make you feel this fucking small. Yeah. And the only thing that changed that is when I stood up for myself and I didn't have other people do it for me. Yeah. Because once those people are gone, you're still left by yourself. True. Those people will never be your foundation. That will never stop the bullying. When you stand up for yourself and you take the blows coming at you, people think twice about it because nobody ever bullies somebody that's easy. That's 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 uh, that's a very difficult target. The easy ones are the ones they always come back for because it's simple. I always said the thing too when I was a kid. You could bully me, but I'm gonna make sure that you have a fucking hard time doing it all day. And they always moved on to somebody else. So when I see them, I see a little bit of myself. Right. So that's why I think I get so heated and angry because I'm yeah. wishing, bro, you could have done this so much better. But once again, he doesn't have my experiences. He's also a smaller guy. He's in Texas. He doesn't have that support community. I grew up in California. So mostly, you know, if I look back at it, I am kind of speaking out of turn because he's not me and I can't expect him to. I just didn't like the aftermath. You know? Yeah. No, so, I hear you. You, you yeah. definitely made me think about a lot of stuff. It was good. I, I, I think, um, I was thinking about that in terms of like just when we were talking about the morality part of mm -hmm. comedy it's just that part was the one sticking thing i can't think of many other things that i've been like what the f like that anybody else have ever said on stage yeah i'm just so numb to everything you know it's like everything is funny but that was the one moment that I yeah was i i 100 percent agree with you that too that's why i'm saying like if i if that word came up i think i probably would have walked on stage and i've been like what the fuck did you just call me yeah you know what i mean it's like you and i we don't even have that relationship like, honestly, if there was like a white dude that I knew and we were dope friends and he, and he said chink and shit, if we're cool friends, we have an understanding, I, I might be okay with it, right? Um, 
just because we have rapport like that. But if he's using it on stage to to mock me yeah. like that, and then people are and they're laughing at the joke because of just the word chink, there's something different there. Yeah. Because there's power in that word. And the yeah. way that you used it isn't because you used it in a joke, it was funny. It's because these people think it's okay to call somebody chink. And that's when you stand it, up and you y- go. Yeah, hearing you out now, it would have been way more effective if you used that video and then went back and clown Tony. Yeah. Like, like you fucking bring a bodyguard. You what pussy. kind of fucking yeah, you yeah. bitch. You who what kind yeah. of comedian, a roast comedian, yeah, comes in like let's say yeah, two, so they flank him on each yeah. side. Like he's <laughs> a triangle form. And then he's like telling Joe, like, yeah, you gotta like go back at him. Yeah, yeah. you know, that how funny would that have been? You know what I mean? It's like, bro, I'm like this Chinese immigrant. You you scared of me, motherfucker? Exactly, yeah. Like, what are, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Tony Hinchcliffe wouldn't have done shit to him exactly, either. Exactly. Yeah. You know I mean, he probably would have given respect if he came back at him. But, yeah, and any but, any white dude that has fucking bodyguards in Texas is a pussy too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like get the fuck out of here. Hundred percent true. Yeah, I mean, like you're very good with your words, but you're afraid that your words going to get you in trouble, so you have bodyguards. Exactly. That's some real pussy shit. Yes. You know. Yeah. So Peng. I actually owe you an apology. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like I get heated. I, I I take back all those negative negative things that I've said about you. I wasn't really thinking about your situation. Uh, it's not too late, Peng. Make a video and go back at him. <laughs> ah, don't do that. We'll, no, I'm we'll, play. I'm play. I'll, I'm I'll make a video for you too. Don't worry about it. Like I said, like I just don't yeah. want people to think that I agreed with you know Tony. Yeah, at all. no, I, I I hear you. What's the end? Think of, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, 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 I had to rethink how the, I do these videos. The best thing is to go to the person. But uh, if you don't know the person, though. Might be a little scary. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I think it's fair game as long as it's funny. It's yeah. clever, you know. Yeah, that's what everybody's issue was with Tony shit. It's yeah. like, that shit wasn't funny, bro. Like, you were just saying shit just to say shit. Which the context was, once again, he didn't like his hacky Asian jokes. Which is fine. You could have done it without that word chink. Yeah. And it would have been way better. Still wouldn't have been that great. Honestly, yeah. it still wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, just to go back to what you were saying too is like sometimes people just don't take us seriously. Yeah. So that word, the the weight of the word chink is just like, oh, I know some people that would be okay with it. Yeah. It's like, cool. That's not universally true. Let's keep it as a universal law for everybody out there. That word, don't fucking use it. Yes. Just don't use it. Don't use it in public. Don't use it in any of that shit. Yep. Like I said, I might be okay with a, with a buddy friend of mine that allows me to say racist shit to him and he can say racist shit back, but I'll keep it between us. Yeah. It's not going on the internet. It won't go anywhere else, but between me and our, him and our, you know, our friendship. Yeah. That's the hard part, man. Like yeah. it's a very interesting take though. Cause I just, I, I think like from before you were talking, I, I, I was just seeing it through. I think we always do this. We put ourselves in that position, but we don't think about who that person is and what they were going through. I'm only uh, I'm saying all this because he reached out. Yeah. And uh, and then I also know a couple of comedians that used to be in kind of Tony's crew that left. And it was like a drama thing. And I was like, damn, man. And it's like, I mean, it's whatever. Like, I'm busy in my own world just trying to survive. But as that thing's going on, I see it. I'm seeing it online and I'm like, Damn, man. I'm like, this shit is crazy, man. It's, uh, especially for Asians and how we're viewed <sighs> past couple of years, man. Wow. Also, too, you, it is true, though. I'm a big guy. So maybe I don't get a lot of the stuff just because I'm loudmouth and I'm huge. <laughs> you know? You're a big guy. Uh, you're famous. You're well-known. And then you, yeah, you're well-spoke. You're loud. You're funny. It's going to come off 
different. Maybe he might. Maybe he might not even have said the word if you if you're opening for him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said it because he is a small guy that he could punk, and he has a bodyguard. It's like, come on, man. It's like yeah. He he kind of had the car stacked. He has Joe him. Rogan. He's Joe Rogan's crew, man. It's like, dude, Joe Rogan's like the king, you know, of the comedy world, and so. Yeah, but you know, also Joe Rogan too. I think people forget Joe Rogan is the king of the comedy world, the podcast world, prior to the internet. So the internet now, you have your own gang, you yeah. have your own crew. Yeah, Joe Rogan come around. Well, he's the king of the podcast. Yeah, me, he yeah. could come around and tell you that oh, this comic's not funny. Doesn't matter if the internet thinks I'm funny, then my fan base will come out and watch my show. You could go ahead and try to discredit me as much as you want. I love Joe Rogan, by the way. Yeah, I'm just yeah. using that as an example of you got to be a little more fearless now. Yeah. Like. You can't keep making moves because you feel somebody's going to shut you down or get in your way. Yeah. If you develop your own fan base and you develop a strong relationship with them, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be 100% fine. Yeah. You know, and also too, like when you out there and you put your stuff out, like even in this podcast, I learned something so new about myself, right? Yeah. I didn't realize that when I was criticizing paying, I was criticizing myself because if I, because I've been through those situations and I started getting heated because I started seeing a, a younger version of myself as a kid and I saw myself getting bullied and I saw myself doing what he did and not getting the result that I wanted. And so it just became something else. It wasn't about me looking at the situation and how he felt and what he was doing. I was, I was actually yelling at little 14 year old, 13, 12 year old David. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, no wonder I was so upset at him. It was, yeah. I was upset at him because I was mad at me. But, not but you're I, right. Paying, I don't know what happened. Maybe you could break it down. But I definitely think number one thing would be just go up to Tony, man. And then and then maybe even asking Tony like, hey, uh, like I'm going to film this. Like you cool? Because that's fucked up, man. Like, yeah. you know, and then that's probably the, the best. Thing. I only bring up Joe Rogan is because he's so huge. Like it, he has a cult following that Tang probably felt even more like. Yeah. Like, dude, this guy, Tony is in that crew and Joe's the fucking beast. Like, he probably felt so like, uh, you know, it is a bitch move, but like, like help. That's how I saw it. Like, yeah. Now know. that you even explained it, it doesn't even seem like a bitch move now. Now I just see somebody who was. No, he should go up to the person. He was cornered and put into an uncomfortable situation. And once like. Because we've been to Texas. You've been to Texas, right? I've been yeah, to I've Texas. Been to Texas. Like, Austin's more cool, but damn, there's some parts of Dallas and Houston. <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, yeah. Well, when I went to Houston, I saw a lot of Asian and black people. So True. But uh, there's some parts. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Like, I feel like for me, there's always a way to like break bread and find something in common that you can really just work that shit in. Um, once again, though, if he felt vulnerable or just he kind of felt like weirded out. There's a lot of people that are against him in that comedy club and he's the headliner. Then that's a lot of pressure for him to come up there and grab that mic and just start roasting the fuck out of him. That is going to be kind of hard. But then again, I'm Korean. You know, I don't, I, it's hard for me to take shit from somebody that I can yeah, just yeah. fucking slap the shit out of. So it's like, uh, I probably would have done it differently, but I don't, I don't know him like that. And that is a lot of pressure when I, when you kind of explain it that way for me, that's kind of a, a little unfair of me to be like, you should have done this. You should have that. I wasn't in a situation. But yeah, I just didn't like what happened afterwards. Like when I saw those comments of like people just. And I saw Tony Hinchcliffe's falling go up. Like, I was like, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. It did. It made it worse. And I got, I was like, fuck, man. If only the other thing happened, you know? Yeah. It's a weird thing to navigate, though. Like how hard is it to navigate that situation? It is. 
but hopefully Peng will uh, just keep getting stronger as a comedian. And uh, I mean, Tony's already a, amazing. At the end of the day, I actually haven't seen Peng stand up, but I, I've never seen it either. Hey, Peng, if you're fucking funny, dude, all that shit doesn't matter. True. The funnier you are, the, the people just love your stand up comedy. All that stuff doesn't matter. And then one day those tables will be turned. You're the dude at top. And then you guys maybe on a career sense will be equal. Then what's he going to say? So cream always rises to the top. And that's the best. Success is always the best version of revenge. Yeah. Right. Because we can say what we want. But let's say Peng stops doing stand-up comedy after this. Then he's the guy that's going to be forgotten. He was the one that was whining, complaining about another successful comic. Yeah. Which I feel like for him, he's just going to continue to get better. And then go out there and then show people what's up. Yeah. Because imagine if he stopped doing stand-up after this. Then the story ends. Well, you have to do our show, bro. You said you were going to do it once. I'll open up for Pang, dude. (laughs) Pang, I'll open up for you, dude. (laughs) Let me open up for you, bro. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. I apologize. Um, It's going to be Pang, uh, David So, and then Tony Hinchcliffe right there. (laughs) That's going to be a bomb-ass show. I would like to ask Tony Hinchcliffe why he decided to use the word chink. I'm so curious. Yeah. It's like, in your mind, was it just because you think comedy is all, you know, a free-for-all? Or did you feel like the backlash that you got from my community was warranted or you thought people were being sensitive. That's another thing too, is he never really came out and said, I'm sorry. Like it's how hard is that? Or he never thinks, he never thought he did anything wrong. It's like that weekend, Joe Rogan said, no, you're not going to perform a show. And then he got canceled by his uh, agency. There's not even a moment of like, oh, okay, man, I, I, maybe I fucked up. Like it would be nice for him not, maybe not to do a public apology. I don't, I don't give a fuck about public apologies, but for him to contact Peng and be like, I shouldn't have used the word chink. Like I didn't like your set, and I thought you were being really hacky, so I wanted to make fun of that. Yeah, and but I crossed the line. How good would that be? And or just like, hey, you didn't have to put that up, but I'm sorry, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. But then it goes back to if Peng didn't do him do him that service too. So why would he do it back for him? Yeah. So do you see what I'm saying? This is where that personal conversation starts to really create healing. So we cut that bridge. Once that video went up, that bridge is now cut. That dude Tony is never going to learn from that. He he has settled in. I did this for comedy. Comedy is okay for me to call Asian people chink. And now he believes that ten times harder. He'll never apologize. There's, there's, uh, three, there's three people I would love to be here for, to uh, not be on the. I just want to sit and watch if I can. Uh, I think you and I can make it happen. But there's, I would love to uh, bring to your podcast to um, have just have a conversation. One is Bobby Lee and Kevin Shea. They have beef, right? They're just do they? Yeah, long time. And uh, and I was so drunk one time. And I'll tell the story at Laugh Factory. Uh, I probably should go, but this will be our last thing. Um, uh, you know, I was hosting and then they were on the same lineup. And then uh, I kind of heard that they're, you know, beefing. You know, they were on Kim's A Comedy together. They have long history. Uh, but I didn't know it was that bad. And then, you know, where the bathroom is right there? Like Bobby was there and Kevin. And then they were going to like, I think Kevin was going to go up in the Bobby. And I was buzz so i brought them together and i'm like come on i give a speech because i'm my korean brothers man i love you both man i love you i was like let's stop fighting man i was giving like this pep talk and they looked at each other and then they walked away like walked away and i go oh damn i was like like, it's like that i i thought they were gonna at least like but they is like they still don't like each other yeah and then bobby talked about it in his podcast and then uh, how come he has keeps getting into fight with comics like i heard about yeah, the he wrestled with ken jung once too they threw down but they're cool now yeah but uh 
I would, funny dude. Yeah, they they like they like slapped each other's head at some photo shoot and then they like punked each other and it got physical. But ever since then, but I always wanted to like I'm like Kevin Chase fucking funny to squash it, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then I know you guys are cool now, but just for fun, I would love to bring Danny Cho here and just no, just sit in the middle and just have you guys talk. And just say like, the- what's a hey, like? Hey, do you, Danny? Do you remember that slapping his head away? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did something, but I love Danny. But I'm sure I, I, I think he just felt like Vaz, like up and coming guy that looks just like me. And you guys are both like you know funny, fat, funny chubby Korean fat dudes. Korean guys with the same glasses. I always said, wait, that, you used to wear glasses too? Yeah, I had thick black glasses just like it. We look like twins. <laughs> Dude, well, you, I made this I joke. Mean, on obviously, the, I made this joke on the last podcast. It's, a compliment. it's like literally, if somebody told me to go fuck myself, I'd go fuck Danny Cho, dude. Like that's how it would be. Like I. <laughs> So like if we if we got into a fucking fight nobody would know who's winning because it would just be like two people just fucking wrestling each other at that time he and i looked really alike yeah i think for him he might took it as like who's this new guy for me i was like oh it's so cool that somebody looks like me is so funny you know so we we had two very different perspectives yeah because i'm younger too yeah but also too i, I felt at the time and i mentioned this before is that he didn't he also didn't respect me because he didn't know how long i was doing stand-up yeah. He thought I was just some YouTube New kid. Guy, yeah. Oh, he does. He's a, and you know, somebody told me, or my friend told me that he walked around telling people that I'm just some editor. I'm like, first of all, bro, I was probably doing stand up just as long as you have. You didn't know. If I didn't, how, how did I do the stand up set? That's why I took it personally. Because I didn't t- know either. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like him when yeah. people were just like, he's just a YouTuber. Yeah. I was like, so when I came to the city, I was like, well, let me, give me a fucking mic. Let me show you what I can do. So it's like, I don't even need to do a set. I won't even practice a set. I'll go up with the old jokes that I have and I'll just fucking do crowd work. Let's fucking go. So even when we did uh, we did that show with, uh, I think it was your show. It was in K-Town or something. I forgot what it was, but it, there was a bunch of like Korean comics that were on there. Yeah, I didn't do a set. I just walked up and I just walked up. I was like, okay, I can do this without doing a set. I've been doing it for this fucking long. Oh, that watched. show was weird. It was in a theater. It was like in a theater. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird, yeah. right? But I was like, cool, whatever. I'll fucking do this shit. Like, I don't need to practice a set. I've been doing this for so fucking long. And I did it. And I'm like, cool, don't say shit. <laughs> you know, don't say shit. Because at the end of the day, if you're a stand-up comic, I'm not a great stand-up comic, but I've been doing it just as long as you. I can rock a fucking mic. Give it to me. I'll show you what's up. And that's why the only reason why I started going to the Ice House, I started doing stand-up comedy clubs, is because I wanted to shut other fucking comics up. It's like, you don't know about my background, bro. And I'm, there were comics that were trying to give me advice. And I, I was doing stand-up longer than them at the time. Yeah, It's like the audacity. Yeah. It's like, you just started. You're the baby. Like, yeah. I've been doing it since I was 16 years old. Damn. Don't fucking tell me how to do my I set. Didn't, I didn't know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time. Damn. So when we came up, the reason why I started doing YouTube was because I got sick and tired of just waiting around for something to happen. And I got tired of having comics keep pushing me down the line. You go up, uh, somebody else, is here. You, you, your, your set got shorter. Your set got shorter. So I'm like, I need to make a name for myself somehow. Yeah. I got to do this somehow. And look what happened. YouTube, I took all my old bits that didn't work, that were so hacky and bad. But when you chop them up in these short little videos, it made sense and it was funnier. So it's like, cool, all this material that doesn't work, let's throw it in the, these videos instead. Or if it was a set that I just did too much, I threw it in these videos. And they fucking worked. But then what it came off to other comics was, this guy's a hack. He needs these chopped up edit bits to be funny. It's like, bro, those were all old sets that I used. I just repurposed them and put it back into these videos. So when you look back at it, if you look back at these old videos, they're just really performative, short stand-up sets. I had to write a new set every week for fucking like seven years. I know you were hustling, man. Yeah. 
It's like yeah. those were think about it. Those are all little stand-up set jokes. Yeah. That just probably wouldn't have done well on stage. But when no, you chop some it, of them I think it would have hit hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have hit hard. Yeah. You know, and I got tired because I was literally writing the UCLA a new set library week. one. <laughs> Fire, man. That was a legendary one. That one's the yeah. one that that really got my name out there. Shoot, that one, yeah. That you know, was, that was a that was a beast. Yes. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying, just for fun. Just for fun, because I think it'll. I would love to have. Yeah, it I here. think it'll. Be, I think it'll end really cool, but I think there'll be some good awkward moments. <laughs> I, I would just sit here and I would just start rubbing his thigh, just like, because I. Because uh, the thing is, is like, because I, I would love to ask questions too. I'm like, hey, Danny, did you? Is were you? A I like, why'd you were, diss were me you so hard, bro? To David, because because he looked like you, <laughs> and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Because I'm sure that's what it was. That's all it was, you know. I yeah. I know my personality. I'm just more like. Hey to everybody in this. I, so even if a guy looked like me and he's coming up and he's like funny and I, I know even though I feel threatened because I've already it's already happened many times uh, and then I'd be cool. But maybe Danny just felt like, man, there aren't that many spots, you know, but he's and like, who's this guy? I like, mean, in all honesty, just to be completely objective, it's like, what were you threatened about? You're way funnier than me. Danny, Your stand up is really way better than mine. What do you have? Anything to feel threatened about. Well, your YouTube, your your you were blowing up. Hey, cream rises to the top, no matter what. Yeah, you know this is why he's up in uh, Korea. You know, being at the forefront of doing stand up yeah. in South Korea. He's some revolutionary shit. Right That's now, what I'm pioneer. saying. Like cream always rises to the top. There's yeah. absolutely no way, especially during that time. He and I did a stand up set at the same thing. People would think that I was funnier than him. There's no way. Absolutely not. You hear that, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're watching. <laughs> I love you, brother. Yeah. Hey, but Danny, you're doing some revolutionary shit in Korea, man. Yeah, I even shouted him out the last podcast when I told the story because it was always one of those things that I look back on and I'm like, I when I when I first saw him and I was thinking that he looks just like me, I always think how funny would it be if we did a video together? That yeah, would be great. It would have been amazing. Yeah. And then but once I found out he didn't like me, I'm like, oh, fuck this guy then. What the hell? I didn't do nothing. Is there any other? Uh, I'll tell you one. I only have, don't like one comedian in the world, but is there anyone else that you've ever had like weird, awkward? Uh, not anybody that I know, but oh, when right. I first came to LA, um, I was put on a venue as a YouTuber and it pissed me off because I was doing stand up. It wasn't collaboration, right? I don't know. I think oh. collaboration is different. Everybody's a YouTuber. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's a YouTuber, but okay, yeah. um, it was it was it was it was at the Ice House, and they put YouTuber on it. Oh, and, okay. And that shit had my blood. Oh, smoke. I think I saw. Uh, you know, they used to put clips up. I yeah. saw you too. Online, and they put yeah. YouTuber, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I the the funny thing was that Ice House thing came last minute, and I hadn't done a stand up set in so long. I was so fucking nervous because I couldn't. I haven't done. I didn't prep anything, and they were giving me like a decent amount of time to do my set. But when I was about to go up, I still remember that set still up. I, I was about to throw up because I was so fucking nervous because uh, I was pushed as like one of the headliners. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. I haven't done, I haven't practiced a set. So when I was up there, before I went up, there was another comic. He was like, oh, you're, you're the YouTuber, right? And I just looked at him. I was like, I'm going to fucking sock this dude in his face. I know what he's doing, right? He goes, oh, look, he's like, I've been doing stand-up for quite a while now. Like, you know, if you need any tips, like just ask me before you go up. I'm like, oh, how long have you been doing stand-up? He was like about like three or four years. I was doing nine at that time. And I'm like, okay, good luck. And he went up there and he started bombing. And I was just in the crowd laughing my ass off, like obnoxiously, Man. like ah, 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 just cracking the fuck up, just watching him bomb in silence, step back down. He kind of gave me a dirty look. I was like, good set guy. I was like, fucking amazing, bro. You're the funniest, you know? 
It's like, bro, shut the fuck up. But that's the last time I, I kind of dealt with an asshole comic. But that shit got under my skin. I still hold that against that motherfucker till this day. The fact that he just looked at me like I was a piece of shit. Oh, like looked down. He looked down so on dumb. me. It, that shit hurt my feelings. So yeah, I said it again. It hurt my feelings. This one, I probably shouldn't even say it, but um, I, it's like I, I need to let it go. That's why I'll say it on David's podcast. Uh, I will try out for last comic standing, waited hours, and you get like two minutes. And this is why I'll always love Greg Giraldo. He was one of the judges, and uh, I did my little thing, and. Um, he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have a lot of promise, man. Like you know, I, you know. I think I think you're funny. And then Natasha Legero, she goes, really? Like she's trying to be the Simon. You know, it's like film that part. Come on, like really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was just looking at. Her. She wouldn't even look at me. And I had brought her up at Long Beach Laugh Factory, laugh as a host. Like I've met her before. Yeah, I brought her. Like I've was always. That's why maybe the Tony Hitchcock thing hits me too. It's like I've. Brought her up on stage and Natasha, you know, and she just shit on me and it was on TV and I never got on that show. And uh, I just know that would have been a, a game changer for me. It would have been a great little boost for yeah. me to get a lot more spots. And it just crushed me, man. I walked out of there and I just was like, wow, like, why? Why'd she say that? And I've never seen her since, but I've, she's blown up. But every time I see her name, I'm like, man, fuck what's that. She, what's she doing now? She's big. She's a big comedian. She does like uh, podcasts and uh, she performs everywhere. She's like a headliner. Oh, really? She's I, funny. I, she's I, she's funny. And she. I remember I, when I first met her, I'm like, wow, she's really pretty. And then after that, she just became so fucking ugly to me. I'm like, <laughs> you're so hideous. Oh, I'm like, that was so rude. I, I only know of her name, but I've never heard her stand up or seen her before. Yeah. But she's pretty big. She's big. I mean, like she's not like the upper 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 tier but she's like that next level of she's big you know she's she's on tv she's on she's been on the comedy central roast she like roasts people she's oh really, shit like really pretty but uh but that moment when she did that i just i was like that was so did funny. you ever ask her why i never ran into her but if i run into her i will like yeah. and i i always tell her that if i run into her i'll be like do you remember when, just to see what she'll say like like, do you remember that? And she'll probably be like, I don't even remember. Of course. Like, she just probably wanted to be the Simon Cowell of that mm -hmm. judge panel. She was sitting on the same thing on the far right, you know. Yeah, but you know, last comic standing, bro. It's like. No, but if you get on, everybody who's got on, it gives you. It, like, there's so many stand-up comedians now. It's so hard to get spots. But when you have a credit, then you immediately, you, you don't have to work. Like, I have to eat. Can I get that? Like, you have to work to get spots. It's so hard to get spots well, now. But, but also, too, for you, though, like, I, I still feel like because you're still a part of the generation of scarcity mentality, right? You're also doing things, in my personal opinion, backwards. Like, you're, you are now in a position where you don't have to do that. You have so many social media outlets and so many things that you can do to really boost your shit out there. If you wanted to headline something within this next year... You could focus on your social media stuff. You have so much bits and jokes. Put these into videos and create it yourself, right? Yeah. You could I don't if if that was what you wanted. No, I will I will. Well, even if, okay, like if that's what you wanted, you could have just been like, hey, I want to come on your podcast regularly. Yeah. You don't think I would have put you on this podcast regularly? I, I didn't know till now. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to well, God, bro. Asking, I'm really thankful, man. But I, why honestly. are you asking the wrong people is what I'm saying. Like, you know, you're asking these, you know, people that, hey, can you put me up? Why don't you ask your community the people who support you? Well, I'm, I am working on like new material to, I, I put out one special. It, 
it, no, it, nobody watched, didn't do anything for me. So I'm like, all right, now I got to work on the next one. So for me, it's like getting spots. But I hear you like in terms of working backwards, like utilizing social media and that. Or, or utilizing people who fuck with you, right? Yeah. I think it's, I, I think you're in a position now where if, yeah, if you asked a favor or something, not even a favor, it's like, hey, I'm trying to like get my name out. Like if you need somebody to come on the podcast just as a guest so we could talk topics. Yeah. Because not every every podcast is about the individual. Yeah. We just talk about shit. Like yeah. the best part of this conversation was probably us talking about the Korean church shit and then, you know, you changing my mind about paying, right? That's what the podcast can be about. I used to watch you guys on uh, the JK News, man. I loved it. It was very conversational. Yeah. It's like different That's just topics. what it is. It's yeah, different yeah. topics and then us like going back and forth on things. So I feel like for you, you should be hitting up people within your network that fuck with you, right? Because yeah. the people that fuck with you are the ones that are going to push you the hardest. Yeah. So if you were just like, hey, man, like I'm, I'm trying to get my name out there right now. Let me come on a few podcasts. What the fuck was I going to say? No? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I, to, I'm so in my own married dad world, like soccer dad world. Like I, I'm like… I barely have time to consume anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm people. I'm barely finding out about about Squid Game. I'm like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> hey, that everybody, just came out. <laughs> everybody in the world is watching. I'm like, okay. I, like even after this, I'm like, yeah, I need to go home and watch that. To like, stay I, up. I brought to uh, this dude uh, Jason Chenny on here. Right. Funny as fuck. He is so so funny. fucking funny. Can I can I be honest with you? If there's one guy that I would think like. I understand why Danny would feel like, who is this guy, right? Yeah. Not that I look like Jason Chitty, but when I saw him, I literally went, fuck, this guy's funny, man. Well, that's why I brought him on here. I so literally hit him good. up only because I saw his stand-up. And so I'm like, funny. nobody knows you enough yet. Yeah. And if I'm going to push somebody who's an Asian, Asian-American that I think is genuinely funny, yeah. you're going to be the next one. He's really like, good, man. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. Don't give me any… I just want you to be on this podcast so people know how fucking funny you are. Yeah. And he is hilarious. He's hilarious, man. Yeah. Like he's, he's big time, yeah. Because like, I've seen other people who were like on social media and they're trying to do stand-up and I just look at I'm like, God, you're not good enough yet, bro. Yeah. Like you need more time. Like yeah. don't put your stand-up out yet. You know who's I think one of the best is uh, Fahim Anwar. You know Fahim? That sounds hella familiar. Yo, what? Fahim Anwar. I think he's the next. Like his shit is He's Do I follow him? He's amazing. I don't know, but I would love to bring him here too just to hang out. What is, what so is, you two can just fuck around. Did, did he blow up because of… His uh, name is hella familiar right now. I mean, he he's just a pure… Comp, like he goes up like every night and just says new shit. But his, his, his best shit is like… He has a bit about uh, orgy etiquette. <laughs> he's like… Are, is there etiquette at orgies? Like, dude, he has a pretty big following. It's like seventy k. That's yeah, pretty big. He just puts up shit like, like he's just stand up all the time, man. And that's he, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, when when people who are on these other platforms like social media, people don't understand why I took stand up comic out of my title because there's people like Fahim. You you guys are up there. I'm not. I'm not yeah, <laughs> you're up there more than I am. So that title of stand up comic to me is very sacred. It's very deserved. Yeah, right. And so. Everybody just calls himself a stand-up comic now. Just because you go up on stage a few true. times, it doesn't make you a fucking stand-up. Very true. Right? Yeah, technically it does. But I, I have like a certain level of respect for stand-ups because of the grind and how hard it is to per perfect your craft. You know? And then when you have this huge following, you go up, you get a couple of giggles, and then you tell your friends you killed it. It's like, bro, I was at that show. 
you did not kill it. <laughs> <laughs> you did not kill it at all. And also the show that you were at, you put it on blast so you had your fans come out there. Go to a cold crowd who yeah. doesn't know you and make them laugh. Yeah. Then, then, then we'll see what's up. Yeah. You know, and I think like the, the crap of stand up comedy is being so watered down now and everybody's calling themselves a stand up comic. Yeah. It bothers me. Especially after the pandemic. God, there's so many comedians. Like, yeah, there's so many, but there's also so many comedy clubs. Yeah. There's so many, man. I just went to this one called the Hollywood Comedy and I go, who owns this? And they're like, Jia Ling. And I go, the comic? She goes, yeah, like the Chinese girl. She goes, she, she owns it. And, and so she performs here all the time too. And I go, damn i'm like yo dude that's crazy yeah so these people just open up their own comedy clubs yeah it's dope though you know yeah. i appreciate it you know so you know just going back to just uh, the craft and in and of itself like i i appreciate stand-up comics a lot and that's why bringing you know comics here is it's big for me nobody knows who jason chenny was at yeah. the time i mean people who go to these stand-up comedy clubs they see him he kills it yeah but in terms of like his social following a lot of people don't know how fucking funny this guy is yeah because he's not a social media guy. Yeah. He's a he's a stand-up comic. Yeah. And when I looked at his comedy, the first thing I felt was this guy's fucking funny. And I'm also a little jealous at how good he is. He, me too. So when I first saw him, I'm like, damn, dude, this guy's so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at him like, if I feel that tinge of jealousy and I look at him and I enjoy him, that they, that means that's how much how, how successful I wanted to be. Yeah. Because feeling jealousy about somebody like that, you're, not in a way where I want to take him knock down. knock his hand away? Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. he, hey, get the fuck away from me, dude. I, 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 just kidding we love you Danny. i know you're still watching <laughs> like, watching him go up like just watching a few clips and i was cracking the fuck up i'm like bro you're great at this yeah J yeah jason's so good man i i had that tinge of gel i was like man fuck this guy is so good yeah. yeah he's really good he's gonna do a collaboration show too dude he's he's he's, he's a fuck he's, he's he's a beast headliner material yeah he's when I see yeah. him open up for people, I'm like, you don't need to open up for anybody. Well, he's you doing are. the Eliza Schlesinger show. He's a he's been doing the Ha Ha for a long time. Yeah, he's so good, man. Yeah, Jason's really good. Yeah, who, who are other stand up comics that you that did you see coming up that you think are really good? I mean, there there's the Lady Crew. There's uh, Atsuko Jenny. Uh, She's been doing it for a Sierra. while. Like they're blowing up, man. Um, who else is there that I'm missing? There's like there's a lot of girls that are. They're uh, they're on their hustle. They're killing it. Um, I mean, it's crazy how this collaboration show. We have uh, three Asian comedians every first Friday at the Laugh Factory come out. If you're in LA, uh, and then we have one non-Asian comedian as like a friend guest, whatever. And it, I remember a long time ago, it'd have been like work to like really book it out, but we're booked out till like April, May. You know, oh, all, all the seats are sold. No, 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 not not, not the tickets. Oh. Like the lineups. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like it's just like it's just booked out. And like I asked Bobby Lee, I'm like, hey, he's like, yeah, I promise I'll come through. Um, but I'm just like, I can't believe how many more comedians there are now. Like you know, and some of them have just been in the game for a long time. Cause so, Sierra, she's think, newer. She's newer. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't. But Paul Ogata, like Ron Jossel, like uh, Justin Rivera, like there's a lot of comedians that have been in the game for a long time. Like, you know, Walter Hong, Sean Felipe. Uh, Fucking, oh, I forgot about Walter, bro. Fucking maniac, dude. Why? Walter's a crazy person. Why? Because every time I see him, like, who, who, first of all, who the fuck double fists two pitchers of beer together? <laughs> like, this guy's a fucking creature. I, I just don't know. Every time I see him, I'm like, did you just come out from a sewer? <laughs> like, where? Where? Who? What is this? 
He's like, you want a drink? And he hands me a picture. I'm like, this where is for this? a group of people. Where was this? Everywhere. <laughs> what do you mean, where is this? This is everywhere. This is Walter Hong 24-7. Shout out to Walter too. This motherfucker just yeah. would walk around just drunk as fuck. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't even think they could serve liquor here. Where did you get this beer? Like, he was so fucking funny to me. Just, just, just weird human being. You want to talk about weird Koreans? That guy right there. Walter. Walter's my young. Um... Dumbfound is getting good, man. Oh yeah, he's, he's another stand-up. guy too. Every time I see him, I'm like, "Fuck him!" He's so talented, man. Damn, dude. Other than other than dancing, that guy does everything, man. He's just a really talented, he's funny doing that. actor, Acting, rapper, rapping, everything. Yeah, he's he's doing uh, Insta hope captions on his Instagram. <laughs> Yo, every time I have to give him some type of shit, this fool. I know you do it, dumb. You f- stop deleting my fucking comments, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll always be writing some shit. And he's just like, fuck, this guy deletes my shit. Dumb, I swear to fucking God, you delete one, one more of my comments. <laughs> so yeah. He put up this photo of himself recently, and I just typed in. I was like, the fu- the best part about this photo is the fact that you took a tiny little tripod, and you set it up, and you set it up. <laughs> he deleted that? I think he deleted it. You deleted that? Yeah. Dumb. I went back and the comment was gone. I was like, oh, where's man. this comment, motherfucker? It, yeah. Dude, keep writing it. Please send it to me and then I'll copy and put it on there too. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Because he's been grinding out stand-up now for a few years. No, Dumb is so talented, man. But yeah, the uh, selfie model thing, you could kind of calm down. Dumb. <laughs> if you really put a try, like if, if your uh, girl didn't take that picture, come on, bro. I was like… Just, I'm like, you're a little too dressed up in your own place. Is it correct? We were, we were talking about too how now that we're, you know, we're older, we don't care about the whole appeasing to all these like gangpes and youngs. And you could really just say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. That a lot of people used to put like masculine, feminine, feminine shit on. But then he tweeted like a while back too. I remember I saw this. He goes, yeah, I'm about to start my juice cleanse. And I wrote back. I was like, I would have never thought one of the hardest battle rappers on earth would have tweeted that he's about to start a juice cleanse. The <laughs> fuck is this shit? <laughs> You know, but that's the thing about being free and being able to say what you want to say yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you don't really care. And it's allowed him to kind of just skyrocket now. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. an artist now. He's, yeah, he's definitely, definitely an artist. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah well, shit, we've been doing this for I know. Yo, I just looked at him like, I'm like, what? Almost two and a half hours. Two and a half. Yeah. Over two hours, two and a half hours. Well, for you, shout your stuff out. Thank you. Hey, thanks for. Uh, inviting me over here, man. Thank you. <laughs> Don't fucking take me, man. Just like <laughs> no, no, no. Thank, thank you, thank you. Because I know you said like, um, you know, find the people that fuck with you and ask them. But like, I'm just not in a situation where I'm gonna just start like, hey, man, can I come on your podcast? Then so the next, but can I come on your podcast? Come on. I can, I guess. But like, but, you know, look, but you, we, it just organically happened. And you're like, hey, you want to come on? I'm like. Thank you. But, but what if it didn't happen though? Closed mouths don't get fed, dude. Yeah, I know. But it's like right now, we're building a room in our backyard, our home. Our place is crazy right now. And so like my focus is not to do anything like out. But when I told Tammy, I'm like, I'm going to do David Sills podcast. She's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it's like certain things. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like if it was a guy who just started his podcast… I probably wouldn't do it on a Monday night go out. <laughs> you know, I always I do have a lot of people that just starting ask yeah. me and I they didn't listen to this podcast. No, so I, that's why you said Yeah, no. well, I, I actually am honest with them. Like in the beginning, I could, but I I literally can't. I can't right now. I can't like do everybody. Um, but uh every first Friday at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood, 
Uh, we do collaboration at the Laugh Factory. It used to be called Asian Invasion. Finally, thank you, Jamie Masada. Just letting Who the us fuck call it. called it Asian Invasion? Jamie Masada, the owner. Yeah, and so hey, what the fuck? Like uh, Tony Rock, Chris Rock's brother. He always used to say, "That's like calling the Black Comedy Night." Black attack. <laughs> Actually, he used the N word attack, and he goes, he goes, black people attack the mic tonight. He goes, he goes, what the fuck is Asian invasion? Celebration. He goes, he goes that's like ninjas are gonna fly out of the. Uh, <laughs> that's out hella of funny, dude. But uh, come to collaboration at the Laugh Factory every first Friday, and uh, you can go to laughfactory.com. There's the tickets, and uh, uh, next year David So is gonna come through. He said he'll come, come out and watch me fucking bomb wow. so bad. Just just to just to give everybody a heads up, first 10 sets that I do in the year, I'm going to bomb every single one because I got to test out this material. I haven't done stand-up in so long. Yeah, at the end of every set, he's like, my name is Danny Chill. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> remember just, I remember Justin, Justin Rivera. Yeah. I don't know if you know, he's Filipino comedian. He's bald. He uh he's really funny, but he does magic too. And I I I always always book him to these Korean bank things. I I because they're like, do you know entertainers? So I would MC, and then I would invite Justin. And sometimes he do all right, but one time he like it was like big cream. I think like a Hanbi bank or like Christmas yeah. party. He bomb right like four hundred ajashis and ajamas. And at the end he goes, my name is Joe Koi. Thank you. And he, he left, <laughs> and I was tired. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, yo, that's fucked that's up. That's the best that's thing hilarious. ever. Everybody, Joe Koi, everybody, everybody, Joe Koi. Everybody's like, Joe Koi? Dude, I'm literally gonna do that shit it's now, hilarious. dude. I'm taking that shit. I'm gonna yeah. call every time I bomb, I'm gonna say, my name is Danny Cho, everybody. Thank you for this. No, he's not Danny. <laughs> I really oh, am, though. <laughs> but what, what about your socials? Oh, uh, everything PK Comedy, pkcomedy.com, PK Comedy on Instagram. And uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I'm an old ass man, dude. 45, three kids. Still, you just started, bro. Still jerking off. <laughs> hey, dude, that shows you still got it, man. <laughs> I don't even have it like that anymore. Well, uh, Genius Brains every Thursday to Sundays. Um, up until next year. Next year, uh, starting January, it's only going to be once a week. So it'll be longer podcasts, but it's going to be uh, only once a week. So we'll see you all next time. Make sure you follow PK on all of his socials. Wait for him to put up his stand-up shows. Go watch him. He's super fucking funny guy I look up to in the stand-up comedy world. So make sure that you go check him out and we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Peace. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.